For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Tragic news on Leaside broke yesterday afternoon. Another drowning, this time the death of a teenage boy who died yesterday after getting into difficulty in the water of Passage West. A popular young man, someone who would light up a room. Front page paragraphs from this morning's Echo. Shock at drowning. A lad by the name of Jack O'Sullivan. He went missing in the water while swimming with his friends yesterday afternoon. So for now, just some of the headlines. I'll be returning to the story in a few minutes' time. Shock at the drowning is the front page of making the echo. The examiner obviously carries it as well, where family and friends and classmates are today trying to come to terms with the loss of the 14-year-old lad who died in the swimming accident, Jack O'Sullivan. Uh, it's believed that the teenager may have banged his head and lost consciousness in the water. Uh, the Red Tops carried the story as well this morning. Teen dies in swim tragedy. Uh, a woman who was nearby jumped in to help the boy but he couldn't be found and a frantic search then got underway before a body was recovered near the shoreline around four o'clock and his devastated family were nearby as the search and rescue of his body uh, took place the independent this morning says he was scheduled Jack was scheduled to commence his second year studies at Kaloche de Eamon Reich this week or pardon me next week when schools go back next week and uh, he was in passage with his friends yesterday before resuming school next week. It's a popular area for, for swimming uh, with regards to youngsters across the summer. There's a playground not 100 metres away from the area. Ralph Regal has the story in the industry today where he says a number of young people have been seen swimming in the area over the past week and the stretch of water can prove to be um, dangerous enough because of strong tidal currents in Cork Harbour. Um, actually, I'll, I'll stop with the other papers now, stories in the papers if you don't mind. Because I want to get an update on the story uh, from Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Southern Correspondent. But this was his first report yesterday uh, to Virgin Media News. Teams of emergency services personnel responded to numerous 999 calls reporting that a teenager had gone missing. He was swimming with friends and apparently got into difficulty. Some of his friends went to rescue him and um, unfortunately he went below the surface before a rescue could have uh, been made. The 14-year-old was with a group who had been swimming just off a pontoon close to Mariner's Key Passage West around a 15 minute drive from Cork City. Enjoying the last of the summer uh, before going back to school and this tragic accident you know, has occurred. The multi-agency response saw crews on the water within minutes of arriving at the scene. Horrified locals felt helpless as the search was being carried out. Then, just before four o'clock, crews located the missing teenager and his body was brought ashore. Unfortunately, it is a tragic outcome, um, but the family now needs as much support as they can get and the other um, swimmers that were involved in this incident also needs uh, that support as well. Garthi are appealing to anyone who may have witnessed the incident to make contact. A post-mortem will be carried out to determine the exact cause of death. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News, Passage West, in two, Cork. In 2018, two kids got into trouble in the water in the same area. And Martin Cullinan, a local from Passage West at the time, jumped into the water and saved not just one of them, but two of them. That wasn't possible yesterday with Jack O'Sullivan, although I do believe that a woman who saw what was happening from an apartment nearby rushed across the road and jumped into the water to try to help. Paul Byrne picks up the story uh, from Virgin Media News. Paul, good morning. Um, and at this stage, of course, we now know the lad's name. And we also know that he was from Deer Park and played hurling for St. Finbar's GAA. And Jack was due to go back to school at Kaloshta Eamon Reach next week. It's tragic, isn't it? 
Neil, good morning. Absolutely devastating. Uh, first of all, my sympathy to Jack O'Sullivan's family. I just can't imagine what they're going through this morning. I mean, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Um, I was there yesterday, but uh, when we returned home yesterday evening, the, the, the pictures of Jack and some videos were on social media, his friends paying tribute to him. And, uh, you know, you could see the, the smile on his face. He was a, a, a cheeky chap, the cheeky smile. A handsome-looking kid, honestly, it must be said, a bubbly teenager, but sadly, he lost his life and that, those smiles uh, are no more. Yeah. Yeah, um, Cork Bio reporting from those that witnessed the frantic efforts to locate the boy that there had been three lads inside in the water, uh, splashing about and swimming by the pontoon. When a fourth boy joined them in the water, that seemingly would be would be Jack. Um, they're also reporting that he may not have been the best swimmer in the world, um, but he could have lost his footing or something and got caught by strong currents. Have you any thoughts on that? Yes, look, Neil, there are several theories and several stories doing the rounds. And honestly, I suppose it's better to be safe than sorry and leave that up to the guards who are conducting the investigation because his parents will be listening to all sorts of rumours right now while they prepare to um, while they prepare the funeral plans for their son. Yeah, yes, he was swimming. Um, it is believed that he wasn't the strongest of swimmers, but whatever happened there yesterday, he was having a great time with his buddies and in the blink of an eye he vanished under the water. Efforts were made to uh, rescue him. Unfortunately, they failed. Uh, they couldn't find him. And as soon as the alarm was raised, the teams of emergency services raced to the scene. They were there within minutes. It's as if, honestly, it's as if they were just around the corner. They got there so quick. Who was involved in the search and rescue? Because there was a lot of different agencies yeah. there. There was there, there was this multi-agency uh, rescue and recovery operation. You had Crosshaven RNLI, Crosshaven Coast Guard. You had the National Ambulance Service. You had the Cork City Fire Brigade uh, units from there. You had Gardaí. You had teams from Malus, Malus Search and Rescue. You had Naval Service divers. And you also had uh, Civil Defence and the Helicopter Rescue 117. This was a major, major operation. There was a flotilla of boats on the water. The helicopter was hovering overhead. And at one stage, the fire brigade personnel and the Coast Guard, they were actually wading their way through the water. People would have seen that on Virgin Media News yesterday where the crews were in the water up to their chest, looking down to try and recover Jack. Um, the recovery operation, I think, took really about two hours. And while there was quite a lot of people looking on, and, you know, they, they were young, they were old, um, there was middle-aged people, there was kids, there was mums and dads, and imagine them putting, they were, I suppose, they were putting themselves in the, in the place of the parents of Jack O'Sullivan. Um, you know, the, here they, these people were looking on. Jack O'Sullivan's parents were... Uh, in Cork at the time and Gardaí had gone to the house to notify them of the search and rescue operation and while there was a lot and lots of onlookers the chopper could be heard but there was this eerie silence as well there was just people out there looking on, they felt hapless they couldn't do anything and as Victor Shine who you heard in my report there, the third officer with Cork City Fire Brigade said, here we had a young guy enjoying the last of the summer, having a laugh and a joke and with his friends and all of a sudden 
there was this recovery operation underway and Jack was due to just go back to school very, very shortly and then he was there enjoying the last of the summer. Oh, it's so tragic. It really is so, so tragic. It's hard to even put and, words on it. It's so bad. Um, yeah, and Neil, just, just, just two things. Well, like, you know, human nature being human nature, teens, kids, adults, they will throw caution to the wind jump off the, the pontoons across the country, jump off the key wall, jump off the piers, splash around, have lots and lots of fun, not realising the dangers, not realising what can happen. And this is what the emergency services have been saying all along, that people must be careful. As one member of Crossaven Cross RNLI said to me at one stage, the water can be a very, very cruel mistake. It can. In fact, Martin Cullinan in 2018 rescued two kids who got into difficulty in the same area. Thankfully, they were saved. Poor old Jack wasn't. But is anything going to be done now uh, to um, maybe make that area safer? Because it does seem to be a a treacherous part of the water. Yeah, there's an extremely strong current there yesterday. Um, Look, Neil... You can put all the barriers up. You can put all the fencing up. But kids, being kids and teenagers, if they want to get in over a barrier or a wall oh, and sure jump in, yeah. they're going to do it. Oh, sure, I know. So, I know. I see them all the time. Only, in fact, if you go over to Mungstown, you'll see them jumping in off the pontoon in Mungstown, the pier area there exactly, as well. Exactly, across yeah. there from the Bolson. Exactly. You can only do your best to, to, to put obstacles in their way. Look, but look, you know yourself. Throw yourself back a couple of years. And you were doing it. We were all doing it. And, yeah. you know, we were just jumping in, having fun, not realising the dangers. But people must, and human nature being human nature, people will be back probably in that pontoon in the next couple of days um, you know, jumping in there as well. But you know, can I just I suppose finish with this and it, 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 it's, it's really heartbreaking to think that while this recovery, two things, first of all thankfully we're not back there today with the emergency services looking for Jack. Thankfully they were able to recover the body yesterday and brought some closure to uh, an absolutely horrific experience yes. and horrific story. Yes. Jack's parents did eventually get to passage yesterday uh, while the search was going being carried out. The Cross River Ferry stopped operating so that the boat could go up and down the harbour. But when his parents arrived, they did ask the emergency services, could they spend a few minutes alone with their son, whose body was at this stage in the back of an ambulance? And you can just imagine them going in there, the doors closing behind them. And their little boy, and that's all he is, he's only 14, you know, he's a baby, honest to God, he's a kid uh, who has his whole life ahead of him, and his parents there in the ambulance, no doubt, holding him and, and, and kissing him. So and, uh, shortly after that, then his body was removed at the morgue. A post-mortem carried out will be carried out. And, of course, we will get the, the true facts of what actually happened yesterday when the inquest takes place sometime next year. OK, thanks, Paul. As always, Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. It could happen to any child. It could happen to any family. Sadly, it was Jack O'Sullivan and his family. Part of that search was Mallow Search and Rescue, who got there within minutes. I believe they happened to have had a rib in the water at the time. Their chairman is John Wolfe. John, good morning. You had a team on the water anyway, because sadly, without going into too much detail, you were already looking for a missing person. So I, I guess that you got the alarm call and headed to Passage West, right? That's right, Joe. We had a team on the water in Cork at the time looking for a missing person. And uh, had a phone call from Lynchy. Lynch Coast Guard to know could we get about uh, Passage areas as quickly as possible. So 
boys uh, left Clark they were down there within 15 minutes I'd say of getting the call but unfortunately too late too late but you did it was it was Mallow Search and Rescue with your side scanners team that, that found Jack right they did yeah the, the Coast Guard boat had picked up something on uh, in their sounder as well so we went over with a side scan and uh, sure enough it was, it was Jack yeah unfortunately you know that water you know it all the way up to Patrick's Ridge and beyond you know it all the way down to Roach's Point and further out how treacherous is that area it's very dangerous Steve it's it's very deceiving. If you look at it on the surface, it doesn't seem to be flowing that fast, but it's very powerful. It's a really strong flow there. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. I think they, they just underestimated it possibly. It's a ca- is it a case that you won't see the swell or the currents and it'll look fairly safe from the surface? It did, yeah. It did from the surface. It didn't appear that, that strong. But uh, unfortunately, it's a lot stronger than it looks. And when um, I'm, I'm sure when they got in, they probably felt that. But you know, it was, it's deceiving. And, it's uh, deceiving. The water can be very cruel very and deceiving. Yeah, yeah. It looked to be quite all right there, but unfortunately, with the tide falling as well, then. Is there anything, it's not a great phone line, so I won't keep you long, John, but is there anything yeah. can be done to prevent these kind of tragedies happening again? I don't know, any really. I mean, they didn't do anything that any of us didn't do when we were youngsters. And Paul said that, and it's true. I know, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's also sad that you also happen to be on the water already involved in another search because... Um, uh, I know that you have teams on the water quite a lot because, unfortunately, far too many people are going missing in the water, aren't they? Yeah, far too many need. Yeah, there are actually, you know, it's a busy time for us. It's, uh, it's always pretty busy, but unfortunately, we, we were in the water looking for another missing person in the sea area. So yeah, we were lucky enough that we got the boat there very fast. We were yeah. probably, I'd say, the boat was the first boat on the sea. But at that stage, it was too late anyway. Too late. But at least you gave consolation to the family that he was recovered from the water very quickly. Paul was making the point that some of these searches can go on for days. So there's oh, some indeed. tiny bit of consolation in that, though. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's, it's probably no consolation to the family. None. It's, no, no. None whatsoever, you know, unfortunately. The poor lad, that's just the way it turned out. I Thank you, John. Oh no! I mean, it, you, you just do what you do. I mean, I, 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 like, I, I hope you guys may, are, manage to say stay psychologically and mentally fit and well. You know, because you come across the worst of it in, in your in your search and rescues. It must be difficult. Yeah, it can be at times. Yeah, it, can, it definitely can be, especially in a, in a situation like that. You know, you're let out and join yourself. This is what happens. Awful. It's beyond awful. Yeah. Thank you, John, for taking the call. Appreciate it. John Wolfe, chairman of Mallow Search and Rescue. Not a great phone line, but thank you all the same. Text 0868104106. Quick look at the other, some of the other papers next. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. It is Friday, which makes it a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'll tell you more about the food in about half an hour's time, but let me invite you to text or WhatsApp now. We want you to tell us who you are and where you are. Uh, text 0868104106. And we'll start those shout outs in about a half an hour's time. Our free food Friday will feed anything between 15 or 
or 20 of you, 15 to 20 of you, and the Red Patrollers will deliver it this lunchtime. So text or WhatsApp who you are and where you are working to 0868104106. We spoke yesterday on the air of the uh, Before Five Family Centre in Churchfield closing now. Hopefully there will be some good news in regards to it not closing and that some other business or organisation will take it over, which is a story that makes the echo today because we're talking about upwards of over 100 children and 14 employees. And uh, yesterday there were people telling me that that preschool and creche and play school have been open for over 40 years and some of the staff have been working there for many's the long decade. Now it's leaving certificate result day today. On your marks, get set, go. In about 31 minutes' time, uh, many people will pick up the results, by and large, the vast majority of them, online. But there'll be 60,000 of them will get their leaving certificate results today. So a momentous day in their lives in many regards, as the star is saying, as to what the next chapter in their life might be after that. But um, the grades have been inflated for yet another year and have been for a number of years now. Uh, So the intervention of the minister means that 71% of all grades have gone up compared with just over half of the grades that went artificially up last year. What it really means is that markers and those marking the exams have been instructed to mark them more leniently, particularly maths paper one. So the leaving certificate grades inflated to match last year's marks. So to some extent, that's got to be kind of a worry um, that it's not true and accurate, but at the same time has to bear in mind that some of the students, of course, didn't get a proper run at the leaving certificate, uh, but tens of thousands of them will get artificially adjusted upward exams results a little later on today, particularly the unpopular higher maths paper. The Independent goes in on that. That's been marked on the lenient end of the range, probably the most lenient of them all. But by and large, the Irish Times says today the students receiving their results at 10 o'clock this morning will be pleasantly surprised. Uh, If you worked at all, you'll be pleasantly surprised. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Uh, The story of the uh, American tourist Stephen Termini makes many of the papers today because uh, the newspapers literally managed to catch up with him yesterday. Walking around the streets of Dublin, he was back in the area where he was savagely assaulted. He's no memory of the vicious attack, um, but uh, has seen the attack on CCTV himself. So he's urging the Justice Minister and indeed the Garda Commissioner to make Dublin City safer. Um, He hits out at the lack of Gardaí on the streets, talks about the fact that he's lucky to be alive, and he also says, the independent quotes of this morning, that he wants to be an Irish citizen. Uh, He says that um, everybody wants to take my picture, everybody wants to buy me pints. So he's famous at this stage and lucky to be alive. Uh, who isn't alive? Well, you've, you've given me uh, Prizhogin is not alive, nor are nine other people on the same plane as him. Uh, did Putin take him out? Probably. Was it a bomb on board? Was it a missile? Who knows? Some are saying it was a missile. Others are saying there was a bomb put into a box of, of wine. But bizarrely, uh, Putin then sent a sympathy card to the family of Prizhogin yesterday. I mean, not only if he did do it, did he take out uh, Prozhogin and some of his men, but he also took out Prokoshin, but he also took out three crew members also, two pilots and an air hostess. So that's a story that makes many of the papers. They call it his chilling taunt to the family by sending a card like that, a sympathy card. Um, I also see in the papers this morning talking about issues involving tech and stories regarding tech. Uh, they're talking about the amount of texts and phone calls that people make uh, on a weekly or a daily basis. They researched 2,000 people and found that we send, in a typical month, 
262 messages, 152 phone calls and 150 emails. So it's taking 30 hours of our time communicating uh, by all accounts according to the papers today. So more on that and lots more besides because we'll be also talking about more and more parents who want mobile phones banned in primary and secondary school. And I've got some interesting texts uh, and interesting survey results on that one. But um, the papers this morning uh, talk also of the death of Brendan Wall. Not just Brendan Wall, uh, but also uh, Ivan Chittenden from uh, Canada. Now, Brendan Wall was buried earlier this week um, and was laid to rest um, yesterday um, in County Meath. But the papers this morning are talking about the fact that he uh, he was smiling and waving to his family and his fiance uh, in Yall as he took to the water for the triathlon, first leg of the triathlon, which was the swim uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, and then a piper uh, played a lament um, at a vigil in Yaw County Cork yesterday evening in memory of the two athletes. Over 700 people apparently attended the candlelit vigil. It took place at 7 o'clock at the Green Park. You know the bandstand as you head into Yaw on the right-hand side. And they broke out in a spontaneous round of applause uh, at the conclusion of the moving Piper's Lament, according to the Echo. So hundreds, as in at least 700, attended that silent vigil in Yall in memory of Brendan and Ivan, who died during the uh, Ironman triathlon swimming leg on Sunday. Jamie O'Hara from our news department was there. Uh, Brendan Wall's funeral took place earlier in the day in County Meath yesterday, and then the vigil uh, was last evening. Just a very sad feeling all around that everyone just seems, it's the only thing everyone is talking about. And I think everybody's heart are just broke for the families involved and it's just it's just very upsetting you felt it was important to come out here this very evening. important to come out and show our support for the families the whole reason we're here is you know deepest sympathies to both families it's very upsetting obviously for everyone in the triathlon community and you take part in, in triathlons yourself were you here on were you here on sunday i was i was yeah so i was in for the the half distance uh, so half ironman so and then when you learned that something like the tragedy that happened has happened afterwards i suppose how, how do you how do you even try to process that it's a difficult question i suppose um you're finished the event and obviously you learn of two fatalities it's the last thing you want to hear especially when you've we didn't know when we were out on the course so when we came into the athletes tent it was very somber and then you find out that unfortunately there's been two two bereavements it's very tough and the triathlon community are all reeling from it and very upset in general absolutely uh, and especially with the, the triathlon community like everybody's so so close together we all train on training days we swim these sea swims we, we plan them try and do all the course do all our practices and to see that on, uh, on race day uh, things like this can happen it really opens uh, our eyes to how serious the sport is and it, how it should be taken look we're also sorry for, for the, the families of, of the two lads and uh, we're just here again so just to support them on behalf of um, Maria and all the Wall family and Brendan's fiancée, Tina, I'd like to give you a message. We would like to thank the people of Yall and surrounding areas for the huge outpouring of love and kindness that we have received since Brendan's tragic death last Sunday. We have been inundated with beautiful messages and gestures of support. There were so many wonderful people who came to Brendan's assistance, competitors, volunteers and medical personnel.
We are truly grateful for your heroic efforts. We would like to extend our deepest sympathies to the family of Ivan Chittenden. May Brendan and Ivan be at peace. Yeah, it's absolutely terribly, terribly sad. And uh, I think some local clubs are just here to I suppose, show, show their support. Fellow cyclists and I suppose, guys who um, took part on the day as well, you know. A lot of the clubs and I'm here with the All Cycle Club as well. It's, yeah, awfully sad and it's terrible to merit such a great occasion for the town, but you know, my thoughts are with the, with the families on this night. Bittersweet time for the town because I mean it's a huge event and then for this to happen and I suppose has it been what people have been talking about in the town all week as well trying to get their heads around it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on, on Sunday, I mean the atmosphere around the town was, was spectacular and I mean all the athletes were so I suppose complimentary about, about uh, the atmosphere in the town and it really give everybody a lift. But I mean then when the news filtered through that uh, two lives were lost, then it's obviously you know. It left a bitter taste, and it was forward the day for people, you know, and, and rightly so. But um, it's it's um, no, a very, an awful tragedy for such a great, a great event for the town. Uh, again, the, the people, the people of Yall are, you know, they're amazing, really, in, in terms of, I suppose, the support to give, but also you know, the, the respect that they, they have for, for people as well, and for visitors that come to the town, you know. It's such a shame that you know, it was in Yall that this had to, happen, had to happen as well. That's from the vigil last evening. Thank you to Jamie O'Hara from the Red FM newsroom. Uh, can I tell you that Richard Walker has participated in 10 Ironmans. He's a retired man now, 61 years of, of age from Northern England, um, and is still recovering from the event that he was part of uh, last Sunday and he joins me by phone. Richard, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, and, and you are still recovering. I know you are because it was it was absolute panic and trauma for many people. I'm trying to get a sense, uh, Richard, because there was 3,000 yeah. people went into the water to swim. Firstly, yes. you know, before all of this, because the early water reports were fairly okay, you know, the swell and, and, the, and the waves. Um, and, but were people, were people anxious before the off? Um, <clears throat> I stayed on Front Strand in a, in, a, in a small apartment with my wife and I had good view of the sea for the days before and I was pretty nervous going into this because I could see it was bouncing from the storm, you know. Um, and when I got up on race morning, it had, it had, it had, it had settled somewhat, somewhat. But to answer your question, um, yes, there's a lot of nervousness around the uh, the start. A lot of people were anxious, face down. Um, yeah, it was a it was a very nerve wracking time. Um, <clears throat> I was focusing all my efforts on uh, myself, obviously, as you as, as you would in that situation. Some people looked at it and didn't go in at all. I believe others yeah. went in, changed their minds and came back out again. Am I right? Yeah, I saw that. People um, walking in, uh, getting bounced around and walking straight back out again, which I think in many ways is very brave as well. In, in light of what happened, absolutely. They felt that the conditions and their ability didn't match. You assessed the conditions, though, and decided to continue. Um, at what stage did you think that was a bad idea? Uh, I think heading into the um, the first the first boy, it was very very crowded. Uh, people were jostling for position. People were being moved around. 
by the current and the swell and the chop. Um, the guys, a lot of them very young on the uh, on the boards, were struggling to make progress into that area because of the state of the sea, but they were trying nevertheless, but they were losing control of their kayaks. Um, you know, they're heading down through people and it was, you know, it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. So heading down through people because people have, swimmers have their hands in the air looking for assistance, is it? Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, I stopped for one gentleman and tried to help um, and he he managed to get to one of the boards. Um, he, actually, my, my wetsuit is torn around the neck because he was holding on to him so tight. Um, so I'm not any sort of hero, but it, you know, it, that, I'm just trying to describe the scene. To well, you. you and other you and other swimmers did go to the aid of others who were struggling. You were being attracted yeah. by people panicking and screaming. Yeah, I heard screams. All right, yeah been talking earlier in the week with people who were dragged or kicked or pulled or swam over yeah i mean i didn't i didn't experience that um being i i i'm fairly big lad i played rugby for years and i didn't get swam over um and i managed my my, my, my way over interestingly when when we got around the boy from there we were back into yall in the into the harbor in the blink of an eye because we had the the current and the waves behind us it was it was almost like no effort to get back, you know? Yeah, but going out, of course, you were swimming against it and into the tide and into the waves. Um, yeah. th- there's been a lot of argy-bargy between Ironman and Triathlon Ireland with regards to warnings or refusing to sanction the swim. or it, 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 Sanctioning it does not mean it didn't give permission. It could still have gone on. Triathlon Ireland yeah. saying that they did tell Ironman. Did you see any anybody any kind of conflabs or discussions about conditions before the race started? No. Um, obviously, it was a huge crowd of athletes, and uh, I was actually behind the, the sort of the sea wall uh, for a lot of that time, um, um, and sort of sheltering from the wind. I could see the red flag was flying, and that was sort of incongruous to what was going on. <laughs> Um, and I'd, I'd say this, which is which is a very subtle uh, observation, but uh, when the pros got into the water at the beginning of the race, um, the waves were not as aggressive. And it as the as the piece began and moved along, it just it, it seemed to whip up. Don't ask me how. Don't you know? It, it was a very subtle thing, but it did. It did sort of lure us all in, I, I think, to a small... Yeah, to so a small it started degree. to get worse as people with less ability were entering the race? Yes, yeah, I, would say, I would say that's a, a yeah. fair... The people of Yall have taken a right knocking and they're absolutely, um, you know, heartbroken by the tragedies. You are too, yeah. because I believe you witnessed some of the tragic event yeah. on the way back, is that right? Yeah, um, as I exited the water... Um, there's a gentleman being worked on and he'd obviously passed. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, everything just went into slow motion as I went past him. I thought, what a handsome young man compared to me. You know, I'm in my 60s. He was... I mean, I understand he was 40, but, he's, yeah, he had lovely, dark, swept-back hair. And, yeah, it was... Yeah, I was shaken to the core, to be honest with you. Hoping and pleading and praying that he would recover. You were talking of Brendan Wall. Of course, he didn't recover. No, no, he didn't recover. 
and that was obvious from what I could see as it was being worked upon. I won't go into graphic detail. No, I understand. I appreciate the fact that it wouldn't be the right thing to do, apart from saying that you have you have kids the same age as Brendan Wall. I have, yeah. Yeah, just under, yeah. I have bought two boys, yeah. Um, and I, you know, if I can have this opportunity to express my condolences to his family and Mr. Chittenden as well, I'd like to do that. <clears throat> of course you would. Yeah, fellow swimmers, fellow Ironman participants. You've done nine others besides that. Have you ever come across yeah. anything like that, though? Um, I, um, I have. Um, in Barcelona two years ago, they, they shortened the swim and um, it, it was rough in a different way. Um, but it was nevertheless very rough and they, they, they shortened the swim um, and I've been at events where they, they've cancelled the swim completely. So um, Both of those things I happened think- in the past in y'all, a swim cancellation and the shortening of the route. But still, yeah. uh, so many people got into trouble and ended up panicking and being rescued and, and two people drowned, you know? Yeah, it's... it's- it's terrible. I, you know, you'll always get a very, very wide spectrum of capability um, at the start line of, a, of an Ironman. Somebody will be doing it for the first time. Some people will only swim uh, as well as they can. Uh, they'll only swim in the pool or a lake. They're not used to being in the sea, being moved around, being pushed, being shoved up. You know, I had some years as a diver, a recreational diver, and I'm kind of used to the sea and I knew to dive under the waves and come out the other side and move on to the next one and get under it and out the other side and I made progress up to the boy to a point but um, those those differences in competence are, are, are going to yeah it's going to make life difficult and I think there's a lesson obviously a massive lesson to be learned here I think that the um Sorry, I'm losing my words, but I think I think that the description of the swim on the websites of these events should say there's a possibility you will be in rough water. Um, we will manage that as carefully as we can, but there's chances of waves, of chop, of current, mm-hmm. and you have to be familiar with those conditions to enter. Uh, and that's not the case. You know, it just says bay swim. Well, the waiver does give warnings to people, all right, about injury, potential loss of life. It doesn't talk about um, knowing the conditions of the water, however, but the waiver does warn people that it's not for the faint-hearted. No. No, it's not. Yeah. Like, you're 61 now. Um, would, like, yes. uh, bear in mind, the Canadian Ivan Chittenden, who, who passed away, was, was, was 64, and we'll have to await and see if there were medical conditions that compounded his death. But will you continue with Ironmans into your 60s? Yeah, I mean, I, I stopped rugby in, in my 50s and started to pile on the weight, started running, and then drifted onto this, and I... I uh, I will be carrying on as long as I can. I mean, in some, in many, many ways, Ironman or triathlon, it's a, as many listeners uh, who take part know, it's a lifestyle choice almost. Keeping, keeping fit, swim, bike, run. It's it's great. There's a fantastic support community, and um, it's a little bit like golf. People that play golf, you know, it's so addictive. Um, there's lots of gadgets, and people enjoy it, and I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't think of life. Not as treacherous as a round of golf, though, I would put it to you, Richard. I mean, have your, have your, yeah, has your wife or your, your family not asked you or pleaded with you to stop? No? Um, 
My wife knows that I do um, train very, very hard, and she knows also that I'm reasonably confident in in in, in the sea. So um, I've I've not had that question from her, but I have from my sons. And um, yeah, it's that's a fair, fair comment. Um, is it too early to be apportioning responsibility to the events of Sunday morning? Do you think, or have you thoughts on that? I definitely don't think I can apportion any 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 blame in any direction. I don't know how the communication went. Uh, I know how it's been reported. My, my feelings are, um, as I said to you a little bit earlier, I feel as though the conditions, the, the race started and the conditions worsened. worsened. It was like, dare I say, a perfect storm. In my in my humble opinion, I feel as though it just got worse and worse. Um, and, uh, you know, the sea had settled near the start. Um, and I'd actually seen a, um, a, a, a shot of, of, the, of the local surf um, being only two foot waves and good for swimming on that particular morning. I saw that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't turn out that way, though. Changed dramatically very quickly. Thankfully, you made it back to your to your family. Sadly, two others didn't. But I wish you the best of luck going forward, and and do stay safe. And thank you for taking the call. God bless. Thank All you the best. so much. Bye-bye. Richard Walker on Sunday mornings, um, Iron Man in y'all. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106 back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Quick update for you. Thank you to uh, Red FM listener. There's a van on fire on the M8 on the way to Dublin just before the Glanmire turnoff. So hopefully it's pulled in out of the way and that everybody is safe. Sadly, that was not the case down in Passage yesterday with the tragic loss of life of Jack O'Sullivan, little 14-year-old boy, a son uh, who was having a bit of a laugh in the last few days of the summer holidays before he went back to school and he was going into second year uh, next week and sadly got into difficulties in the water of Passage um, and sadly lost his life and drowned. And everybody is saying it, our thoughts are with the family and the friend uh, all the friends and all of his classmates and everyone that knew him, they say he would light up a room by all accounts. But Paddy Murphy uh, is down in Passage and wants to just uh, talk a little bit about that actual area. Paddy, good morning. Uh, good morning, Dave. Passage, A passage man all your life. Um, so can you describe to us exactly where this happened, Paddy? It's a, it's a, I don't know whether you know Passage that's, that well known, Neil, but it's a, Behind the post office, off the main street, Neil. As you're heading through there. it on the left-hand side. I, I, is it, is it anywhere side. adjacent to where the end of the line walk ends? Yeah, you, you, well, the line walk ends at the, by the Rowan Club there and you slip down then onto the quay and you walk down the pantoon then there's down maybe uh, 400 yards on the line. There. Is it adjacent to the playground then? Yeah, well, the playground is on the on the side of the main street and passage, okay. and there's just the wall divides it. Yeah. Um, I I've been on the water. I was even on the water again over the summer, heading down the harbour, and there were kids swimming there and jumping off. And then down below in Monkstown, they were doing the same. So it's regular and popular there. Well, it is. It is during the summer holidays, Neil. It's very regular. But you know, just I just want to say how sad we are all down here in passage of the death of that young lad. I know, I know, without a doubt. Yeah. But yeah. Neil, honest to God, this this tragedy could have been prevented 
because we have been warning, we went on to the girls and to our local councillors, this the pantoon down there was never designed for swimming because the water is, is too strong, the currents down there are very strong, and there's signs up in the pantoon meal and the vandalism and the, the anti-social behaviour that's gone on on that pantoon for years is a nightmare. But all the nightmare. pontoons that I know are ever worked with, they're all locked. You need to have a key code or a key. Uh, but Neil, there hasn't been a lock on, on the pontoon in passage for months and months. And one of our local councillors, now in fairness for Mercy Dalton, she brought this up at a council meeting because I had been on to her since last year. Neil, there could be 60 or 70 people on that pontoon at a time. And like Neil, the other thing, the guards, they, we had a guard in passage here who was on top of the situation, Tim Maxweeney. But since Tim retired from the guards, there was nothing ever done. Tim would go down and run them off the pontoon and take their names. Yeah. But yeah. like since Tim moved, that nothing has happened. But Marcia Dalton brought it up at a council meeting and neither the Port of Cork or Cork County Council were willing to take responsibility for this. We set up a, a committee years ago to get some access to the water, safe access. And in fairness at the time, Simon Coveney was the Minister for Marine. And he said there was some European thing and we got a pontoon and passage. But the pontoon but we, is for boats and yachts and ribs and motorboats to tie up. Yes, and, and we were hoping, like, you know, like my brother Jim would have been the main man behind this, the drive to get this here. Yeah, but it's not, the, it's the, not for swimming off. Martin Cullinan in 2018 saved the lives of two drowning lads in the same area. He did, and another chap had to go another night in his in his kayak to save another young fella. But like this has been happening. But Neil, there's people living there in the flats. They're the width of a road across from the pantoon. Yeah, and they they have told me that in the summertime, in the good weather that we had in June and last year when we had the heat wave, they could not open their windows, Neil, because they couldn't hear the televisions inside of their, their windows or their patio doors. They couldn't hear the television with the anti-social behaviour, the shouting and the roaring, and this goes until two o'clock in the morning. Neil, I've no idea why they'd be there at two o'clock in the morning, but you can understand that if kids can get into that area and jump and swim and play, they're going to be noisy, shouting and screaming and laughing. Uh, the Neil. two o'clock in the morning job is probably drinking and all sorts to carry on. But it is. But Neil, they're down there with the so-called bottles of water. And the girls, to me, to Max Sweeney, they, they have drink alcohol inside in them. Like, uh, people, have to, people have to face facts. This is what's happening. Like, I have seen local people dropping kids down there to go onto the pontoon. There's a sign on the gate, no swimming. And yet, they'll be down there with their phones and they'll be actually phoning them or, or filming them, jumping off the pontoon. There's a gangway down onto that needle. They'd be up on top of that, jumping off it. Neil, and only the day before that tragedy happened yesterday, I know of two people that were abused down there going into their boats by these young fellas. I'm not saying the lads that were there yesterday, I'm not. I'm not. I, but no, you're talking I'm about the historical events down there. Let me, just, let me just say this to you. I don't think that any parent in their right mind would bring a child down there um, to play or to swim if they knew of the dangers. And a sign that just says no swimming isn't strong enough. The sign should say drowning hazard. 
But just, but you see, then a parent I won't. Know. A parent will see that sign then. But would make it need? Bossier made a fortune over the pontoon and passage because every day during the summer the bus would be full of people coming. Tim McSweeney told me he took names from youngsters from Glenmoyer coming down to passage to go swimming. Like Neil, you say you spend a bit of time in the water, and I know you did. Yeah. But like, if you were coming up, the 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 object of this was to bring people into passage as well. Would have been able like, to tie you, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were coming up the river in your boat, and you say like passages kind of halfway between Crossaven and the city, we go into passage, we'll have a cup of coffee, and we go for a point, or go into the museum and have a look around. Yeah. But I've been down there numerous times and you see boats coming up around by the dockyard and they'd have their fenders out to call into the pantoon. But you couldn't get on it with all the kids, young young people. But if everybody young, if everybody knew, say for instance if the Port of Cork knew, or if the you know, local the county council or you know, the council reps down in passage knew that there were all of these kids constantly down there and that the tides and the currents are shocking that there was going to be a potential drowning. Why didn't anybody do anything about it? But Neil, there was no... I, I said it today when I go, Mercy at Dalton, but at, this, at, a, at a council meeting only, I'd say, maybe six weeks ago, and the Port of Cork, our Cork County Council, won't take responsibility for that pontoon. Like, taxpayers' money paid for that pontoon to be there. Neil... A couple of years ago, my, my a friend and, my, and myself stood at that gate to stop them. And we did. We did. We had, we had we, the association that we set up was called Passage West Monkstone River Users Association. And we had that sign up on the thing because there was the Ocean to City race was but passing you, by. Yeah, but you were doing and all this right. to prevent potential death by drowning. Yes, yes. They, they, well, they, to have the pontoon there for which it was designed for, that people could tie up their boats, access the river safely, and tie up their boats, say, for an hour or two, and then head away. Do you think now but, it will be secured after this sad and tragic death? Well, I'd like to think so, Neil. I'd like to think so, okay. but, like, there, would, there could have been... The, uh, Martin saved two of them. Was there anything done after that? No. No, no. Neil, I... I, I was fairly caught up yesterday over this now, I'll be honest with you. Mm. I, I'm working locally, Neil, and every day I'd go down, bring me a cup of tea and me sandwiches down there, and I'd sit down on the quay just and read me paper. I was down there every day, Neil, and I wouldn't come up from that pantoon until maybe quarter to two, two o'clock. I'd be down to that one. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I was down there yesterday, Neil, at one o'clock, and those young fellas were on the pontoon because I seen them, right? But my daughter phoned me at quarter past one. She was coming over from Cove to visit her sister. And I went down and collected her meal at 20 past one. And I dropped her up there, more to say to her sister. And I had my cup of tea up there. And I kind of beat myself up a bit, Neil, because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if I was there, and not a strong swimmer, Neil, I don't think I would have jumped in, but there's little punts and all that that were tied up by the pantoon. You know what I mean? I know. Neil? Listen, don't, don't cut yourself up over that. You know, that's, know, uh, that's just... I'm not, I, that's I'm, not, I'm not, but like the, the thing about it is, like, Neil, like, uh, something has to something be done. Something has to be done, when, yeah. When 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 they when we proposed that they put a camera on it, like 
they, they, they oh no, an invasion of privacy. People's boats are being wrecked down there, Neil. You cannot walk away and leave your boat down there, even to come up to the town, have a cup of coffee. The day, be, the day before, Neil, I know this for a fact. I'm not, I, I'm not telling any fibs here, but I know for a fact. There was young fellas down there and they were leaving a boat go. And this man filmed them. And he went down onto the pontoon and he said to them, lads, don't be at those boats. And they said, we weren't at the boats. But he said, well, I, I, I filmed you trying to leave that boat go. And what was he called, Neil? He was called a paedophile. And he did threaten to report him to the guard. Listen, I, I know that those events happened. I know, I know that that's an awful thing to happen and a shocking thing to cause somebody. But let us bear in mind, front and, for, and foremost to this stage, that a young boy died yesterday, a 14-year-old lad with his whole life to lead, uh, and God only knows how his parents will deal with that loss. I sincerely hope that following this tragedy, something will finally be done down there to secure it, and somebody takes responsibility for that unlocked pontoon. All right, Paddy? But that, that's it, Neil. Sure, Jesus, the town right. passage is devastated over that. I know, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. My, my, my own daughter was a friend of his, Neil, you know oh, what I mean? I 14 know. years of age. Shocking, shocking. <laughs> All right, Paddy. Could Patty. be any one of us. Mind All yourself. Right, thanks. Thanks Thank very much for Thanks. Cork, I don't know if you've heard the news, but we have a brand new breakfast show coming soon. Red FM Breakfast with Gay C starts Monday morning at 6 only on Cork's Red FM. Lines are open. You can text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines in a, in a moment or two. But can I just mention, it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So 15 to 20 people will be fed. And you can get further details at roosterspiripiri.com if you're looking for some good food this weekend. They're in Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Um, chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers. Uh, the main event includes the chicken wraps, the chicken pittas, and the most delicious beef burgers, all basted in the famous Piri Piri sauce. For sides, uh, Piri salted fi- fries, rice and waffle fries. And you can build your own cheesecake with lots of different toppings. Can I give one particular shout-out, actually? It's not for Free Food Friday. I'll do those in a second. But I want to b- wish the very best of luck to everybody behind Joe's and Bros, who've opened a, a sister cafe at UCC's Glucksman's Gallery. Um, and the story makes the Examiner and the Echo, and I also saw it online during the week, it started out in Galabi Street, and then second one in Winthrop Arcade, and now they're adding Leah's at the Glucksman to expand their portfolio. So to the three lads, best of luck. Have a good one. Now, Free Food Friday shout out for GRP Roofing Supplies in the Tremor Commercial Park, for Pat McDonald Paints on the Cummins Road, Premier Auto Parts in Toker are listening, Shipping Solutions are with us and they're starving and want to start the weekend with a big feast. RPC Haulage in Granada working hard. They're always hungry, especially Ross Creedon. Uh, Cope Foundation in Montanati, Headway and Balancolic, uh, 20th anniversary year of work for their manager, Paul, so big celebrations for that. John and everybody at the Franciscan Well Brewery in the Docklands, repacking Chieftain's cans. My God, have you ever seen the amount 
of beer they have down at their warehouse area on the Keys. It's just insane, particularly the amount of barrels. They're flying, the Franciscan well. Everybody at the Dean Hotel, Credence Day, Doggy Daycare, morning to everybody at MCK Electrical and Toker Industrial Estate, uh, GC Auto Parts and from and Mitchellstown are listening, the Bark Park in Ballinahina, everybody at Smurfit Kappa in Powdered Off Industrial Estate, Calco Ireland at the Airport Industrial Estate. Morning, Angie. To everybody at the Elm Tree in Glanton, they'd love to be fed for a change instead of feeding everybody else with their delicious food. To Louise at the Close Horse and Deirdre and all the staff at Little Treasures Childcare in Castle Martyr and just a few more. Carrigan Community School College in Cove. Uh, getting ready to start the new term. Chocolate Hair and Beauty in Broaddale and Douglas and Atkins Farm Machinery on the Carrigahan Road. They're saying goodbye to their school-going staff who are leaving them after the summer today. So keep those shout-outs coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. We'll do the next shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. We'll talk to the Independent Councillor Marcia Dalton in a moment from Down Passageway, but just very quickly, Frank, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Thank you. I, morning, know I know you're under pressure. I won't keep you. Uh, you were in Cove on Sunday. Yeah, I, I got to Cove most Sundays and uh, <clears throat> I see kids jumping from the, the pier, you know. It's crazy stuff. There's, there could be 20 or 30 of them, you know. Yeah. Is it safe? Jumping. No. Pardon? It's not safe, no? It's not safe. Not at all, no. Last Sunday, no, they were jumping from the, you know, where the, the, line, the line was coming. Yes. And now the tide was out, right? So they were jumping in and swimming down towards Cove. One well, young fellow couldn't get back. <sighs> Lucky enough, uh, there was a ladder, and he climbed up the ladder, but he was, he was nearly gone, like. He, 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 was, he couldn't swim against the tide, you know? Did one of his buddies throw him a life, boy? Yeah, one one of his one of his friends threw him a life a life a life by you know, and uh, but lucky enough there was a ladder and he climbed the ladder and got out, got out like, but other than that he was gone like. And he was is, gone. is all of that key area very accessible to the public? That's a deep, that's all well, deep water. What is it? Is all deep water? So they're jumping from down by the um, the 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 park. They're jumping in there as well, and it's fairly high like. I mean, they're jumping at, at least 20 feet into... The, and they're, they're all teenagers, uh, 13, 14, 15. They're just trying to have a bit of fun and a laugh with their pals and go for a swim and do a bit of dive bombing. We all tried to do it. God know, knows, sorry, we look, all did. We, we all did it, but, like, see what's happening is they're, they're, they're showing off in front of their friends. They're, they're, they're jumping in, they're ju- and, and they're coming back out, they're jumping back in again, and this is, this is constant, like... And I don't know, it's something I, I'm, I'm surprised there was, no, there was nobody drowned. Like, to, be, to be quite honest, which, uh, the way they're carrying on. Like, okay. It's crazy right. stuff. Crazy right. stuff. Thanks, Frank. Right, Thank you for that. Well, okay. listen, just going to go back to the, 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 there's a car on fire. I know it's a car or a van. I think it's a van on fire on the motorway before Glanmire. And apparently somebody says idiots are blocking the hard shoulder. So the emergency services can't get up and down. And they're also trying to get, there's a van trying to get blood to Dublin who can't get through to these people blocking the hard shoulder. And he'll ask them to move out of the hard shoulder, please. Get out of the way. Uh, thank you for that text. Uh, Marcia Dalton is a local councillor for the passage area. She joins me by phone. Uh, Marcia, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Can, can I just say that I, I am very, very cognizant of this awful tragedy and the loss of Jack O'Sullivan's life at the age of 14 and the, and the, the mourning and the grief that his family must be going through. It, it's, I, I, can't, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for them. But can anything be learned from this now going forward so that more deaths are prevented? 
It's a fair question. Um, look, I was on the quayside yesterday when the emergency services were, were doing their thing and it was heartbreaking, you know. Um, it's heartbreaking, not just because it's every parent's worst nightmare and because it's the loss of a young life, but because many of us, I, I heard Frank there, many of us would have feared that something like this might have happened before now. Um, the tide is especially strong of passage in Monkstown. It's, it's, it's called the West Passage. That's what the official name to that part of the harbour is. And all the water from Loch Mahon down or from Monkstown Bay up is funnelled through a narrow neck of, of river. And so the tide is quite strong. Um, and swimming off the pontoon has been something that's been happening since 2016. Um, but as Frank said, it's to be fair. Since they put a pontoon there, is it? It was opened in 2015. It was opened in May 2015. Um, and I think where it may have gone wrong, like I didn't want to speak about this, Neil, until no, the emotion of Jack's no, loss. Nor do I, but I, but I just want, yeah. you're now telling me that there was worry that something like this could have potentially happened, that there was people were conscious of the possible tragedy that yes, could happen. Yes, we were. Why wasn't we were. anything done yeah, about we it? we were. Um, I don't know is the short answer. It's not the one's asking. There was no um, unfettered access to the gate. Uh, they just pulled it and it opened. And there, there had been many requests. I had made many, many requests to have a new swipe card system or similar lock installed on the gate. And it had not been done. Um, okay. It I'm is gonna, fair to okay. say, Neil, yeah. that had it been done, and we at one stage had a very good keypad access on the gate, um, it is fair to say that it's almost impossible to stop young people from swimming where they want to swim. Um, and what we found at the time when the gate was genuinely securely locked was that some super hotshot of a swimmer would jump off the quayside, swim onto the pontoon, come up the gangway and open the gate for, for the friends, you know. And But I, we all felt locally that at least if an effort was being made, there wouldn't be unfettered access to the water at that point. But you wrote to the chief executive, did you not? Cork County Council? I wrote last night, yes. Oh, last night. Last night. Okay. Listen, yeah. on, on two um, different... I had asked many times in council, Neil. We have portals to ask. Obviously, as councillors, as public representatives, we bring the asks of our constituents to Cork County Council staff. And, and I have done that for years with regard to this pontoon. Um, the guards have been very helpful in the past trying to get kids out when they're there in abundance. There are people who live nearby and it's difficult for those people. Sometimes it's very noisy. As it is at any, like Monkstown Pier would be the same. Um, so I think if there's something to be learned from but this... But listen, uh, listen, Marcia, if, if the near yeah. tragic death and drowning of two kids in 2018 wasn't enough warning, um, what else did you need? Martin Cullinan jumped in and rescued two drowning kids in 2018. Another yes, woman dr- yes. jumped in yesterday and tried to recover poor Jack O'Sullivan. Listen, she did. Um, yeah, yeah, she I, did. I, Can I just point out, Neil, we have to be accurate in this. Those two kids in 2018, and that too was a near averted tragedy, they didn't fall off the pontoon. Okay. Okay, so that's, that's to be fair. They didn't fall off the pontoon. Okay. It doesn't make that okay. rescue any less heroic. It was equally heroic. And it doesn't make yesterday's events okay. any less tragic. Okay. But we do need to be careful in what we say. And there will be a time to examine this and see what we can learn out of it. Because yes, there are learnings as a short answer. Without a doubt. But in the meantime, as a mark of respect, I don't want to say any more about the event because yeah, there is a absolutely. grieving family. But as an equal mark of respect to his memory and indeed the family's grieving, please sort it out. 
Neil, I assure you, if I had the power to sort that out, and I have spent my life on the water, it would have been sorted. I know, but I know. I'm not that. pointing That's fingers slowly. at anybody. I'm just saying you're in a powerful yeah. position to bang heads together there and get it done. One would imagine so. That's the theory of it. But in this particular instance, sadly, my position made no difference. Okay. That's the truth. Okay. Thanks, Marcia. Thank you for taking the call. Independent Councillor Marcia. Uh, Dalton, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. About the sad drowning of the young lad Jack in Passage, I think it also highlights the distance that our emergency services have to travel to an emergency. 15 minutes is a very long time when you're waiting for help. If the emergency was in Ballancolic, Cork firefighters would have to drive past a closed fire station. Uh, a tragic event waiting to happen. Uh, I think, in all fairness, the 15 minutes that it took for Mallow Search and Rescue to get down from one part of the city um, down to uh, Passage was an incredible achievement. I hope after the tragedy in Passage that rather than people calling for a ban of some kind of restricted access, that perhaps a national swimming programme could be established. We are, after all, an island nation. Uh, This story breaks my heart on what would have been the last day of the summer holidays. The poor lad was just having fun. I want to, on behalf of all of us, express my sadness and condolence to his parents and to the loss of the boy himself. May he rest in peace. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. With regards to Man, maybe I'm on my own here, but is it not uh, a tad distasteful to labour on the tragedy of Man for so long? Um, Perhaps we ought to let the families and friends grieve in peace and let investigations take their course, says Richie in Toker. It's a good point. It's well made. Um, There was a vigil to remember the deaths of the two swimmers last night. I think people still have stories to share. Perhaps it's not uh, everything that uh, everyone wants to hear. I appreciate that, Richie. Megan says, I met Richard Walker a couple of days before Iron Man in Red Barn and we had a chat. I told him I'd cheer him on and I followed his progress on the day. Lovely gentleman. I want to wish him well on his future Iron Man competitions. And just one or two more on this. And God rest the two men who died in Iron Man. My question is this. Is there surely an onus of responsibility on the individual participants to make personal safety assessments before entering the water? If a person were to cross the road, it's up to them to check if the cars are coming. That's a valid point. And some did make that call and decided not to go in. Others went in, assessed the situation and got back out again. Uh, others proceeded. Uh, there is a lot of talk about the two Ironman deaths and rightly so. But is there nothing about the tragic deaths on our roads all of the time? Many are dying on the roads and people still drink, drive and speed. Some interesting texts there and thank you for them. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868 104 106. Do you know this Sunday there is a national hunger strike commemoration happening here in the city. Uh, they're assembling at 2pm on Kennedy Key in Cork City and they will go through the city to the National Monument on the Grand Parade. Now, uh, the commemoration uh, is a major national event um, and several thousand people are expected to attend to commemorate all those who died on hunger strike in the struggle for Irish freedom. And we're talking about at all sorts of different times in our history. That would include five Cork men, Terence McSweeney, McSweeney, Donica de Barra, uh, Joe Murphy, Michael Fitzgerald and Andy O'Sullivan. So that is happening um, this weekend. And I know in the past, uh, about uh, six weeks ago, I did get an opportunity to speak with one of the hunger strikers, um, Pat Sheehan at the time. And he had a very graphic story to tell us. But with the weekend ahead, I'm happy to say I'm joined by Lawrence uh, uh, McEwen, I should say, uh, who was also part of the hunger strike in the maze uh, back in the day. And uh, he joins me by phone. I believe he's overseas, but I hope the phone line is okay. Lawrence, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for... Can you hear me okay? 
I could hear you for any time, yes. Okay. Although many years have passed since the early 1980s, um, it's probably still as vivid and front of your mind as it ever has been, particularly as we commemorate the events. You you went to trial in 77, I believe, wasn't it? And from there to the maze. Yes, that's right. I was arrested in, in 76, sentenced in uh, April 77 to life imprisonment and uh, spent 16 years in, uh, in the H-blocks. And yes, that first uh, four and a half years leading up to the 81 hunger strike was blanket protests and watch protests and then the, uh, the hunger strike of them in 1980 and then the 1981 hunger strike where 10 uh, friends and comrades died too. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's always uh, very vivid. It uh, doesn't take me to sit and think about things. It's, it's, you know, images are there, uh, conversations are there. Um, so yeah, as, as it would be for, for everyone else, families and, uh, and comrades at that time. And um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to somebody to have an opportunity to um, <clears throat> to attend then in, in, in Cork. Um, I mean, I was recently just thinking there before we come on there. Uh, I was in Waxford there recently to um, speak at the 100th anniversary of the death of Joseph Whitty on hunger strike and in uh, 1923, and he's only 18 years of age. And again, they look at the ages of, of those who died in, uh, in 81. I mean, Bobby Sands is one of the older ones, Joe McDonald, but the others. 23, 24 years of age. So, so how many went yeah, on hunger strike in total, uh, Lawrence? Um, well, whenever the hunger strike started, you talking about 1981, yes, um, there was originally only going to be the uh, four people on it, became the Bobby Sands, so then there a gap of two weeks. And I suppose the thinking behind that was that uh, no one, not everyone would end up at a critical stage. Uh, and also, when Bobby uh, began the, the fast I think everyone believed he was going to die. Um, but there was a hope that maybe after he died, there would be a breathing space for whatever talks or negotiations to go on and, 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 and hopefully resolve it before others died. Now, as it turned out, um, the only side began with that sort of view that he definitely died to then suddenly, out of the blue, he has the opportunity to stand in the uh, by-election and for Manasar's throne and, and won it and become an MP. And so our... our her mood shifted from one of you know, despair, he would definitely die, to one of elation. Yeah. One, basically, I can you say someone is a criminal that's been elected a member of your own parliament, and with more votes than the manufacturers ever uh, elected by. But then, um, in the days that followed, it became fairly clear that um, the British were going to hold their position. In fact, what they did then was introduce new legislation to bar other prisoners from standing. And I suppose at that point, you know, they thought, well, if they had an MP guy, then they're going to surely let you know, Francis Hughes, who was, who was the next one at the end, probably, and, and, and Raymond and Patsy. So um, at one stage, there was always just four people on the hunger strike, and as someone died, they were replaced. For instance, Joe McDonald took the place of Bobby Sands. That's right, yeah. Joe died, but at, later on, the, 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 in June, um, it was decided to increase the number on hunger strike to eight, and each Monday... Uh, through June 1981, someone joined the hunger strike, and I was the, the fourth one to join on the, the 29th of June. You were the fourth so of 23, of whom 10 group. died and 13 survived. Yeah, I think it was 13 survived on there. Um, and it lasted 217 days. Um, yeah. 
It's a very trying time for everyone involved, not just the prisoners, but I think always more tragic the, uh, the families. And I'm alive today because uh, my one mother intervened after I was in hunger strike for 70 days and lost consciousness. Um, and I regained consciousness in the intensive care unit of the, the Royal Victoria Hospital and other families had took the same decision. I think it was that they were sitting, they supported us. Uh, they wanted us to be recognised as political um, to get our demands. But this time went on with one after another down. I think that the families, I mean, the families weren't active volunteers. They were, they were family members. And... Um, and pressure mounted on them, them also to uh, to actually intervene. So, um, so yours yeah, was a medical uh, interve- intervention by your ma'am, was it? Yes, the, the situation was that the, the prison authorities weren't going to force feed us the way they did with, with people like Frank Stagg and Michael Goffin, uh, who then died as a result of force feeding. And dollars like Jerry Kelly and the Price Sisters, who were, who were forced out in England in the early 70s. The jail policy in 1981 was that they wouldn't force feed us, so you would as what happened with the, the, the pen. But if you ended up where you were in a coma, you lost consciousness, what's called power of attorney shifts to your mix of kin. And generally that was the women, the mothers, the wives, yeah. the friends, whatever, because they were the ones regularly prison. So they could decide um, at that time to, well, medically intervene, which basically was to go to give you nutrients. That's it. And did you, did you, or do you have thoughts on your on your family's intervention? Was it something that you think was the right thing to do? Um, I'm a lot of thought about it often. I've, I've, I've written about it, and people often ask. Um, I think I had the maturity at the time, as did other prisoners, um, to understand the plight of the families. Uh, I've often wondered if I would have felt different if I had been the first instance for or a mother or a family intervened, or if someone had a died after me in his survival, but that wasn't the case. Uh, I had a very good relationship with my, my mother, although it often baffled me. I when I ended up joining my arrival at 17. I ended up on the runaway from home when I was 17 and a half. And then just before my 20th birthday, I'm in prison, and sometimes we had no visits, or when you had visits, uh, once a month during the, the blanket protest, we were uh, not in a great state, to put it mildly, long hair unwashed. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So really, in terms of having engagement with my mother in the years, I, you know, I just didn't have the opportunity, but there was always a very, very close bond, and as you showed me, unconditional love, which I realise now and have felt for something. So, so no, there was never any... Um, this juncture between it and my mother died less than two years after the hunger strike and I think that had taken a huge toll on, on her health. Um, I didn't know until actually it was on the hunger strike that um, she'd had a heart attack uh, in the late 70s when I was in prison but nobody had, had told me about it so yeah it's uh, that that's the um, tragedy of it all apart from the 10 deaths and it is, it is, it is all the other people who were affected. But looking at your own hunger strike, 70 days is an incredibly long time to survive. Um, I imagine that a proportion of that length of time would have been in the knowledge that you were going to die. That death was close. Well, no, 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 definitely. And, uh, I mean, I was in the prison hospital from about uh, 30 days onwards. So I was there when, when all the people died, like uh, Kieran Doherty and... Uh, Kevin Lynch, then Tom McElwee and uh, Mickey Devine. So I would have been 
meeting with them in the evenings while they were still fit till, till, till the, we were allowed into the campaign for association time. Um, so yeah, you're aware of the, of, of, of the signs of, of what was happening in your deterioration site going after about 40 odd days and just becoming increasingly weaker. And, and then another, I suppose, what became um, a very ominous sign was, and it was something that I say myself and Mickey Define had noticed um, with, with Thomas McAlee was that a few days um, before his death, it had a bowel movement. Um, and this seemed a signal that you had a very short period of time left. And I mean, I thought about it in the years, is it about well, me people can execute at home and that their bowels open when you're home. And it's almost like this was the first order. It's yeah. like the last sign that your body was now just letting them go. So whenever that happened to Mickey Define, um, both he and I knew what, what it meant, and, and Mickey died within about two days. So when it happened to me, it was a very painful uh, experience, I have to say. Um, I knew that, yeah, by that stage, I, I was probably left with two or three days, and uh, and it did exhaust me. So, yeah, there were certain signs along the way. I haven't said that. There were people like, like Tom died very suddenly. He was sitting in bed talking to, uh, I've been speaking to Father Tony, the, uh, the chaplain, that he walked out of the, the cell for a while to speak to some of the prison administration when he came back to the dead. So was, um, yeah, it was, um, there was no one predictable way, same with Martin Horson died at a very uh, early stage, 46 days, in his homework strike. Um, why did it, why, so yeah, why was it called know. off in the end? Well, it was called up because because families were continuing to entertain. There was a lot of pressure mounted on the families, uh, particularly personally by, by Father Fall, who had been a supporter over uh, the months up until that, and I'd, I'd written a lot about internment and about the age blocks and double courts and all the rest of it. But for one reason or another, they became very opposed to the hunger strike and, and called meetings for families and, and um, said that families, and particularly. Uh, I think it's particular line was like a good mother would save her son or a good wife, which by application was like a, a bad one, but would, would let them die. But so it, it started to create a rift really between them. But Father Paul had said, uh, as I was saying earlier, I think families said, families, yeah, the intervention of families. Did you get, but did you get any of the rights then? You know, you know, not to have to wear a prison uniform, not to have to do prison work, to be able to associate with other prisoners, to you know, to the, the rights to a visit or to send a letter or to get a parcel—all yeah. the things you were looking for—to be deemed political prisoners. Did any of that happen? Well, it did. It didn't all happen at once. What what happened uh, immediately was that we got the right to wear our own clothes. Now, that was extended to all the prisoners, political or otherwise, uh, which we have no we have no issue with at all. Um, we had five major demands, uh, and we got the one. But it was the most significant one because uh, symbolically, but said, but never wear the prison uniform. They wouldn't be stigmatised as, as criminal. We believed that they criminalised us. They criminalised the whole Republican ideals, uh, ideology, all the rest of it. Um, so in that sense, we, we, we never wore the, the, the prison uniform. But that they did the song, which is called the Blanket Song by Francie uh, Brawley. I wear no conflicts uniform nor, nor make me serve my time. But on a more practical level, it allowed us for the first time in five years to get out from behind the prison door, cell door, um, to get into the canteen, to get up to showers and wash, to get out to exercise. Now, we still remained on a protest yeah. one year, which was we refused to do prison work. Yeah. Um, but it was a significant change. And I think like 1981 was um, a very significant change of all, I mean, the hunger strike itself. But 
basically in terms of, of prison protests and Republicans down through the Jews have been involved in, in numerous protests, including the, the hunger strikes that we commemorating here on Sunday. Yeah. But that was the end of that type of physical protest. There was never again going to be a hunger strike while I was in prison, and I was in prison for another 11 years after that. There was never going to be a blanket protest or no wash protest or anything. It, it was a total change, and it was a very... Um, I mean, the sadness and the anger and all the rest of it, but it was also a very soul-searching moment of how do we move ahead to get our outstanding demands, but we did that, we did it in a very disciplined way, using numerous other instances, and really um, our next biggest demand, which was the right not to do prison work, uh, we achieved that in, in a sort of strange way, uh, less than two years after the ending of the hunger strike on the 25th of September 1983, there was a mass escape by IRA prisoners from, from the Hitchcocks. And as a result of that, the prison authorities changed their policy of you had to do prison work to one of you're not allowed to do prison work, which means you're not allowed to go out of the block to the, to the workshop. So we ironically ended up um, getting our, our second uh, major demand through, through the escape. And then over the years, uh, through a whole number of, of means, including legal challenges in courts and all the rest, we ended up with, with basically everything we had wanted. By the time I left the jail, it was a totally different prison. They are fortunate in terms with prison guards. There was no real issues other than the day-to-day things that come up with a, with a large number of people confined to a yeah, space. But, yeah, um, yeah. And it continued on then afterwards, and even by the time the prison finally closed, which was two years after the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, and part of that agreement was the release of all political prisoners. Um, the prison closed in July 2000. It, it by then, was a absolutely totally different prison. So when you came out then under the Good Friday Agreement, what, what did you do with your life? There was there was a laying down of arms at well, that stage. Uh, well, I, that, no, I didn't get out under the Good Friday Agreement. That came in nineteen ninety-eight. I was released. Oh, sorry, you were out in the early nineties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, while, while the conflict was was still going on, um, while I was in prison, I had started with uh, Brian Campbell and Luke Brennan and other uh, people using the arts to um, promote or struggle using education, et cetera, et cetera. And we started a magazine in, in the prison on Global Gopher, the Captive Voice, where um, it was our opportunity to tell our own story, write our own history, uh, that we talked about. Uh, we then went on to write the book, No Make Me Serve My Time, um, which was to commemorate, it was meant to be for the 10th anniversary of, of the hunger strike, and it really was asking people who had been in prison at that time <clears throat> to record their, 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 their last memories, the last words with those, those who died. And, and that book was finally published in 1994, and then me and Brian were on it, so, so, uh, with a, a feature film called Each Day. So I suppose since jail, uh, I've been involved in, um, in the arts network there. I was also involved with, uh, for 10 years with Caution and New Guinea, which is an umbrella organization for uh, former IRA prisoners that was set up again. Uh, 1998, former Republican prisoners have been very much to the war that is in attempt to deal with the whole legacy of the conflict and, and reaching out to others. Like when I worked with Koistia, uh, we had a program called Processes of Nation Building where we engaged with 
Unionists, Protestant churches, Catholic church, former loyalist prisoners, um, all the Republican prisoners because there was splits and division from the Republican mm. community. So all in all, an attempt to recognize that everybody has, has been affected here. We're in a new situation and how can we move forward um, in this new dispensation? I think that's still going on and I've often said that there's, um, there's been two parallel processes. If you look at the political process, it's had its up and downs, and it's down at the moment with the DUP refusing to uh, to go back into the assembly and executive uh, and appoint Michelle O'Neill as, as the first minister. Yeah, but the peace yeah. process, I think, has has continued because it is people on the ground, people who have been affected on the ground, who know what it was like at the time and who don't ever want to see a return to that. And it's actually been my experience, I think, over the years and out of numerous engagements. And actually, those who were affected the most are the ones who are probably most willing uh, and even eager to reach out to hand the others. Think of those were, that were affected the most, surely would have been the ones who would have been innocently killed on both sides, yeah? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I've often found it just that they, because they, because they realize because death was broke to their, their doorsteps or imprisonment or, or whatever it was, as opposed to those who probably largely were unscathed during the, the, the conflict because they had the, the luxury to hang on to their prejudices, um, whereas the others know, know the real pain. I mean, I, let's say I've met with people who have been injured in IRA explosions, I've met with the former British Army, you know, RUC, I mean, the list goes on. It's, 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 and that's... Oh, listen, absolutely, there would have been, there would have been issues on, on both sides. It's interesting, though, because when I talk with people like your good self and others, I will always get people pushing back against me that we shouldn't be glorifying what went back, what went on back in those days, um, that um, at the end of the day, we are talking about terrorism. Does, does, would a comment like that upset you? Well, unfortunately, I wouldn't say that it's, it's terrorism, but then we could go along to get there and meet about one, one person's freedom fighters and another person's terrorists. But yeah. I, I think there is a thing about people being able to remember, remember with pride, on, on all sections, uh, the people who have died. And I don't think the Sunday or any other event I've been at that um, the words spoken will be, be ones of um, cheering or gloating or running apart. I don't think Republicans do that. I mean, if you look at their or listen to our songs, they're all about our deaths. You know, whether it's Drew McDonald or Bobby Sands or James Connolly or Buggy J or Sean South, we don't very rarely, certainly, ever sing songs that glorifies and killing a death. And, and, and maybe so. I don't think anybody should be doing that. But we should be remembering and do it in a, in a respectful way as, as, as much as possible. Yeah. You're, you are aware of the, you are aware of the bit of the controversy regarding the wolf tones and the line from the Celtic Symphony that's raging along at the moment, the ooh-ah up the ra. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the thoughts are forced that uh, it's a song. It's a song. It's, to me, I never turned a Republican song. It's a Glasgow Celtic song, and I'm not a, a, a Celtic supporter, but I my friends are, are Celtic supporters. Uh, it's about graffiti on a wall, which says the other things about where magic, where magic. I think that it's been given... Uh, it, is, it, it has been exaggerated in a way that, uh, that of course I don't think should happen. I, mean, I think Joe Brawley wrote about it uh, well at the time, came up about the young girls 
in Dublin, the under-18 football team, who probably haven't a clue where the origins of that, that song are. It's just a good, rousing song to sing. And I would say they, they promoted the rah Wait, While singing it doesn't mean yeah, that they are advocating a path of violence. or Yeah, I know what you mean. No, yeah, no, yeah, I, don't, yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I call them in the people. I mean... The people in all shades of republicanism, Fennel Gale, Fennel Fall, and all the rest of them sing all the songs about Sean South and whoever. Uh, it doesn't mean the more they're going to go to arms and, 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 and start a battle. So I think there's been a, an exaggerated thing. And I think it's, as Joe pointed out, like whenever the Minster rugby uh, team was returning from England on the plane, they sang the song, Catholic Symphony, over the airplane's air tannoy, yeah. and some of the crew joining in. So I think there's, there's a bit of hypocrisy well, it's just that some are saying we should stop and we should forget, but I imagine you would say that we should never forget that it was all part of a path to get us to where we are now. Do you, do you still feel that way? If somebody was to say that ultimately a prison sentence would be for bomb explosions or trying to take out members of the RUC, was all that worth it? I think it was all worth it. Uh, I don't say that in any sort of boastful way or whatever I've said publicly in numerous, numerous occasions I, I feel that I did what was right for me to do at that time um, I still stand by that I'm proud of the fact that I did take that stand I would have preferred that, that none of that ever happened I grew up in a very mixed area I had wonderful neighbours Protestant neighbours learned to drive on a, on, a, on a farm when I was 10 years of age so it was never for me a, a, a sectarian thing or, or, or anything like that <clears throat> but yes it was war and, and in war yeah. All sides try to kill as many of their enemies as yeah. and yeah. at least harm themselves. So it's it's I think it's about remembering that there, Neil, and then it's about how now we actually engage with with, with, with all of that and ensure that um, that there's never a repeat, that there's no need for a repeat, and that yes, that that we do all reach out to those who have been, been very um, grievously wounded and and and, and lost loved ones. So it's yeah, it's a very I think it's, it's unfortunate when it becomes something like the, 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 the Wolf Tones or some Catholic something, it reduces all of the victims on, on whatever, say, just to some something. Um, I don't think, I mean, that was raised there recently about Fiala and Fubble. I attended uh, loads of the discussions. I spoke at one of the events in Fiala, wonderful, the number of people who were there from East Belfast, from Protestant communities and so on, both panels that were uh, all from the Protestant community, like Linda Irvine. So, and then the one event, there's one song at the end of it, you know. So I think it's I think it is about you know, putting things in in, in perspective Good. and mm. not going out of our way to be insulted. I mean, any people who heard that song, I bought a ticket, commercial event to go to to hear it. You don't want to go to it and you go buy the ticket, you know. So it's that's a long-winded way to answer. Appreciate your honesty this morning, Lawrence. Thank you so much for it. The National Hunger Strike commemoration is on Sunday, two o'clock at Kennedy Key in Cork parading through the city centre of the National Monument and will end up on the Grand Parade. You will be there, clearly. I will be, yes. I'm looking forward to it. It's a few years from my being in Cork City, but I, I had the opportunity a, a few years ago there to go down to West Cork, which is an absolutely stunning place, as you probably know. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, after the 70 days on hunger strike, all those years ago, just one very final question. Did it impact on your mental and physical health long term then afterwards? Um, it, it impacted on my physical health. It's up to others today. It, it, it was the fact that mentally, I couldn't take so. I'm a fairly laid back person. Um, 
physically, well, I, put, and I suppose psychologically it does make an impact because it, it makes you more aware of, it makes me more aware of, of life. Uh, and I try to live in the now. It's, it's, every day is, is, is an extra day, especially when I see contemporaries from that time. Um, down, down and off, and, and all of this. But physically, uh, my eyesight was was, was damaged. It's not actually the eye itself; it's the optic nerve that the cells, brain cells, start to break down. I think the last cells to go. Unlike the body, brain cells don't rejuvenate. So uh, I was left initially with, uh, well, done initially, and still have it nystagmus, but it was uh, nystagmus as a twitching of the eyeball. Yeah. And, and yeah. The horizontal or yeah. No, I, I, I know um, that's a consequence and, it, and it's an awful one, but it could yeah, be a lot yeah, worse so with, with maybe a, organ I, damage. No, I ended up with uh, um, also with a stomach issue, ulcerative colitis, but um, after I, well, after getting released from prison, realized, and I had been a prison doctor one time, said to me that there was a theory about dairy products, and it appears what happened was during the hunger strike, I uh, became lactose intolerant, uh, which I hadn't been before that, uh, but it meant while I was still in the prison, didn't have control, no one died. It was kicking milk and dairy products. Uh, I had this ongoing um, medical issue, which I had to be taken out to the outside hospital every six months for examination. But, I mean, other than that, um, no, I, I, I put a lot of, I suppose, energy into regaining my, my strength. I took many years, but um, I got there, and I put it up and said, well, I'm allowed to tell the tale, can others aren't, you know? That's true, um, you certainly are. other people who survived the hunger strike uh, like Paddy Quinn and, and, and the others had issues and some died very early days like Pat McGeown and Matt Devlin and whether they were associated with the hunger strike or not it's, it's, it was impossible to say but um, but yeah that, uh, those were the, the the physical results of it That will be remembered on Sunday as I say Lawrence have a, have a safe trip over to Cork thank you so much for taking the call this morning I do appreciate it look after yourself cheers Thank you I'm well, all Hunger striker Lauren McEwan. Because of some legal contractual rubbish, we can't put Casey's voice on the air until he starts. So, to tell you all about the show, here's his six year old son, Caleb. There's going to be Lego, pizza, ice cream, and fart jokes. Thanks, Caleb. Listen, kids. Your new way to wake up in Cork. Red FM Breakfast with Casey starts Monday morning at 6 only on Cork's Red FM. Ever. Certainly is, Caleb. Certainly is. Free Food Friday right across the day today. More shout-outs in a couple of seconds' time. But remember, you have 20 minutes to sonar to text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. And it's Roosters Piri Piri from Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. That's the feeding. And the patrollers will deliver it to you. It'll feed maybe 15 to 20 of you this lunchtime with chicken wings and skewers and beef skewers and chicken skewers and chicken wraps and chicken pitters and delicious beef burgers and all the famous piri sauces, uh, salted fries, rice and waffle fries and of course that big massive cheesecake uh, with loads of different toppings so you can take the cheesecake and put your own topping on it, whatever you'd like. And if you're getting some food at the weekend, think of Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. As we say good morning to all of the staff at Pharmacy First on the north side, working very hard, minding people. It's Lena's last day today. 
So it'll be fantastic before she starts her career as a pharmacist. So morning to you all there. To the National Ambulance Service working hard. To Unique Fit Out. To ATS and Carrigaline who are listening. Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road. To all of the hardworking staff at Union Hall Smoked Fish. To Easy Living Interiors. The logistics people there. They're the ones that get it from A to B. Uh, m O'Sullivan are listening. Uh, Celtic Interiors and Douglas. 30 years in business this year. Premier Auto Parts and Powdered Off Road. Honey Brown's Hair and Balancholic, All Fresh Fruit and Veg in Little Island. The girls in the office could do with the treat. Mary and all of the staff at West Building Products uh, for all of the hungry hard workers. To Ken and the gang at Heating and Plumbing in Blarney, fitting in a boiler at the moment with Jack. So good morning to Ken and Jack. Quinlan Motor Factors in Dennehy's Cross and Blackpool. Danone Factory in... Hold on now. I have to make a real effort to pronounce this address. Danone Factory in Inchina Shingain. Inchina Shingain. No doubt I've got that all wrong. Uh, Murphy Plumbing and Heating and Umvar Drive in Bishopstown. They've got a big job on and they have big appetites to Lisa and Sonia and everybody at Route 14 Bar and Restaurant in Toker. Middleton Community Hospital would also love some feeding. And just another few. Ego Salon in Cove, uh, the Sinclair's Ward in St. Finbar's Hospital looking after very special patients and would love to be fed to everybody at Stryker in Tullagrena, ECI, JCB and Carrick Tool uh, to all of the staff at the Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic in the CUH and the operations and transport staff at the National Seaways in the port of Tivoli. So we'll be doing one more bunch of shout-outs in about 20 minutes time so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 This is the Neil Prenderville Show Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106 Cork's Red FM We're all cognizant of the fact that there was a tragedy in Passage West and Jack O'Sullivan lost his life and our commiserations are with the family obviously, obviously, but if something can be learned so this doesn't happen again surely that will be something to take out of all of this. Down in Cove last Sunday there were teenagers jumping into the water even when the tide was out, it was crazy stuff why do their parents allow it? Uh, You talk about signs, no smoking signs don't say you don't get cancer Sorry, no smoking signs don't say you could get cancer. No smoking means no smoking. No swimming means no swimming. No, I don't agree with that. I think if the signs were stronger in all of these different areas, no swimming could be for any reason. No swimming could be no swimming here because boats are pulling in. No swimming here because it's a pontoon uh, where boats are. Um, if If the signs were stronger where it says drowning hazard... That could make a difference. That's all I'm saying. Um, is your man on the radio feeling okay? Why would you talk about believe him on the air on the air when Jack passed yesterday? Would you not leave the family grieve? Um, it's 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 not that. I mean, obviously, we've been saying that since this morning, since we started this morning. It's an awful tragedy, but we need to make sure this never happens again. Um, you should that caller should be ashamed using the tragedy to highlight a totally separate issue of antisocial behaviour. Richie says, now you know very well, Richie, that I disassociate the two different types of stories you heard me do it over and over again there was the tragic death of Jack O'Sullivan and that is absolutely awful another part of the conversation talks of maybe the, the recklessness of other kids in different scenarios we were not talking about the situation down in uh, Passage West yesterday uh, they're not connected um, Kevin Power from Cove put, also put his life on the line to rescue a kid uh, in that area a few years ago it was a separate incident to the one where you mentioned Martin Cullinan rescuing, rescuing two children from drowning um, uh, others are saying uh, regarding the tragedy yesterday may the child rest in peace just one question why 
fire signs not posted warning of strong and dangerous currents and that it's unsafe for swimming. I'm not sure if other parts of the country do this, but in Australia, all beaches post warning signs where danger exists, says Sean. I think we're all agreed that the signs should be stronger. Um, There's others then talking about, you know, the what ifs, the what ifs, that this isn't the time for it. Um, and you know reasonable point to make I'm back home from Boston for a couple of weeks with my son and nephew who are 9 and 10 it's beyond devastating what unfolded in our town of Passage yesterday I grew up swimming in those waters and even I was a bit naive as to the dangers of the tides and the rip currents in the area Uh, regarding the emergency services they were absolutely fantastic heroic people where I live the emergency services have bases there are emergency services based every few miles around Boston Uh, it works very well they have an eight-minute target to get to their destination, which sounds a bit long as they're often there within two minutes. My son, nephews and local friends were outside the soccer club yesterday when the ambulance passed. They decided to stand in line, salute the ambulance, and we said a little prayer. I thought it was such a lovely thing to do. They're all deeply affected by this tragedy. I was getting text messages all day from Boston. Our Irish community over there are all shocked and upset. And of course, all of our thoughts are deeply with Jack's family. By all accounts, he was a lovely young boy. Thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. You talk of the fragility of youth, of course, and the fact that um, young people believe uh, that they will live forever. And unfortunately, life can be very, very cruel. Um, You know, you're talking about young people and at 10 o'clock this morning, they got their leaving certificate results. So the next chapter of their life lies ahead of them. We were talking about this um, when with the maths paper was um, put down in front of them and everybody was up in arms about it because it was just too hard. I can tell you now that that maths paper and the rest of the Leaving Cert was marked down in the sense that um, it was, well, it was marked up with, with regards to the marks. It was marked easier. And this is maybe the third year now where the exams, the Junior Cert and the Leaving Certificate were marked easier um, because of COVID-related issues. Um, so I think maybe people got good news this morning. I'm hoping that's the case. I spoke um, during the exams with Eileen Keane from Jumpstart Your Confidence. She rejoins me now this morning. Eileen, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are and, you? And you were amongst those that were, that were calling out those that were responsible for that maths paper, that it was cruel and they should have been ashamed of themselves. You had a daughter sitting that exam. How did she get on? Well, she got on, she got on really well, actually. She's delighted to you know. I suppose my point, even at the time, Neil, was, yes, the exam was really... It was, it was more that it was written in a very unusual way and a lot of questions were trickery. So I suppose at that time, it was the days that followed that. There was a weekend in between that and Math Paper 2 and I've had, I had client, many clients whose kids were just absolutely distraught and felt it really did affect their next few days. But I wonder how, what were the results like as a concert? Like how, what was Erin's maths like, do you mind me asking? Erin did well in maths now, but that would be one of her top subjects. But they were marked easier as well, right? Yeah, they were. There were allowances. But again, you see, that's all everybody was saying at the time. They'll mark them easier, they'll mark them easier. That isn't the point here. The point here is fairness. Examine kids on what they've been taught. If you want to change the format of a paper, at least let the teachers know so the kids can be prepared. That was it. There's no point in putting, like, we all know what a horrendously ridiculous exam this is and the stress it puts under kids. So why, why then not just stick to what has always happened? And if they're ready for change, which, please God, they are, but, I mean, it would be maybe an intelligent thing to advise the teachers that they're making those changes so they can pass it on to the kids. Um, 
not everybody will be happy with the results though I'm sure um, even though the papers are suggesting today I was reading the Irish Times this morning uh, students receiving the results will be pleasantly surprised uh, I'm quite sure there's going to be disappointments as well well I'm sure there will look that's the nature of the beast but I suppose at the end of the day you know my point I did an article there for the Echo on Thursday and a lot of that was covered on that which is really this is never the end of the line for any student. I mean, I've known either friends of my kids or clients, an ex-client of mine who were unhappy in the day of their results, and they've ended up going off in a different path or going off to do the same thing in a different way, and they've all got angry. So I think the emotion today and what I'd say to parents today is just, you know, take a breath. Let the child feel what they're feeling, because to be fair to them, that has to be allowed. But there are so many options. There's so many PLC courses that we actually don't talk about enough. Our kids can go in and do something for a year and if they do well and work hard, that's a, that's another step into um, third level education if, and into the courses that they may have wanted originally. Mm. It doesn't all end with... Here we go again though, talking about college. Why does college have to be the automatic route for somebody counting out a leaving certificate? Of cor- well, of course it doesn't. But I mean, if we're talking about kids being disappointed with results, that the reason they'll be disappointed is if they need the results for something. More often than not, obviously trades are a huge, have come up, uh, thank God. They're a lot more popular choices now, and what a job. Um, I met a girl actually through work, I'd say last year, and she got 580, 590 in her leaving, but her choice was to become an electrician. Oh, and really? Well, that's, um, that's, yeah. that's refreshing to hear. Isn't it? And honestly, I do think the trades are coming up. People are copying on that this is an incredible job, a really well-paid job. You know, you can travel, you can go anywhere with it. So I hope people are waking up to that, that this whole third level is absolutely not for everybody. Can I just pick up on that, actually? I know I brought it up, that it seems to be the go-to option, but I was reading recently that even the education secretary in the UK has recently said, and, and she's blaming parents. She says that um, teenagers are simply going to university as a default position, guided by parents and teachers. A lot of them that go to university go there because they don't know what else to do. Yeah, and isn't that fair enough, though? They're 18. How are they supposed to know what to do? So, I have take a year just, out, get a job. Well, well, yes and no, I suppose, Neil. I suppose, in a way, I do feel, and you know, if they're really unsure what to do, and if they pick a broad subject and they get that course in, in whatever college, third-level place they go to, it does give them a chance to mature. Oh, look, every student I know has part-time jobs. The last one, they're all working. No, but what I'm saying is do your leaving certificate. Take time out. Travel the world. Get a job. Just experience yeah, the world. Travel the world now is a nice thing to say, but um, that's kind of difficult, you know, if you don't have an income. Okay, well, park that one. But work work for a year, maybe two. Absolutely. See what you but like about the world. Then do a... The amount of 18-year-olds who can't get jobs. You know, I mean, I'm not being negative on it because one of my own kids took a year out and she's the best thing she did. That's not for everybody, though. But at least you'll get a better idea as to what you want to do. They're coming out of college or they're dropping out of college. And some of them dropped out of college because their points were too high because there was marked down. And they did a course that they never liked and they quit. Yeah, well, I mean, wouldn't the ideal thing be, like some other European countries do, that everybody gets an option to do what they think they really want to do? Because in my experience and my own very, very strong opinion... Kids who mightn't do very well in, say, geography or French or whatever, but if they want to go in there and teach or nurse or dental or whatever it might be, these kids are so much more capable when they are working at something that they're interested in. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And then after one year, if they don't get their exams, 
they're out. Yeah. So they either work hard for what they really want, they get an opportunity to do what they can do. In fairness, we're short, right, we're short nurses, we're short teachers, we're short doctors because they're all leaving. We have so many, we're short trades people as well. We have so many niches there where we really need people, but we need the right people. We need the people who are who really want to do this. How many times do we hear of people going into particularly, say, medicine and teaching for whatever reason? But are they necessarily the type of people who... Oh, well, that, that's different. They may want to do it, but then find out that they just don't like it. But I know far too many who have done college courses and never used them and just followed blindly into the college scenario, not, not having a clue yeah. and, just, and just picking something that was relevant to their points. It's a nonsense. Well, I, I know, and I guess I totally guess where you're coming from, but I do think there's a certain cohort of personalities that will fare better going into college. They'll gain social skills, they might get involved in different clubs, they'll have their part-time job, they'll mature up, and they might get a feeling then after the three years of where they really want to go. And for some students like my own daughter who did go abroad for the year, you know, that was the making of her and she made her mind up as to what she wanted to do but it's just not for everybody I suppose every home is different today and every child is different today and it is maybe up to the parents to have a good look and listen to their kids you know really listen what, what and like most of us have a good idea of what our kids are capable of or what their passion I know but I would hate really that parents would be saying to ch- children or, or that their mindset is along the lines of you have to go to college everybody goes to college you must go to college we've had this since the beginning of time I hope we're going to see a change in that. And I think people do need to educate themselves as parents, I mean now, and teachers, to be honest, um, and principals of schools, because they're all rated, let's face it. So I do think everybody, that whole thing has to change, but it changes from the top town, Neil. That changes from the Department of Education down, showing people that there is quality and, you know, there's so many jobs out there that are worthy and that are respected, and it does not all begin and end with your... But I suppose, unfortunately, way too many of those jobs judge you by your academic qualifications, you know, and that needs to be... Of course they do, and that's where you get a bit stuck, because when you're saying travelling around, and I completely understand, you know, a lot of, you know, New Zealand, a lot of the countries who do do that, but unfortunately, what I have found, say, with ex-clients of mine is... You know, if they choose to travel and then they choose to take up a job here and there or whatever. The but fine- then they have found it difficult to get, you know, better paid work if they don't have some kind of qualification behind them. Okay, all right. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Thanks, Eileen. Okay. Appreciate it. Say, Neil, look, can we just say today for the parents there who are sitting with the child who's distraught or upset, allow it. Take a breath. Be there. If a, if a child has a loving family, a supportive family, and they have their health, they will be okay. There's a path for everybody. It might just be a different path. All right, girl. Thank you for those words of advice. Eileen King from Jumpstart Your Confidence. i tell you who is doing incredible work and has been growing year on year and is doing awesome work with alternatives to UCC or to MTU or colleges like that. It's Galoshta Stefan Nefa. I know, for instance, they do a fantastic radio and podcasting course. A lot of good broadcasters come out of it. They do all of the acting courses. They do dance. They do back-to-education initiatives. They do journalism in the digital age. age. They, do, uh, uh, they do sports and recreation and physical education and they do soccer coaching and sports rehab work. It's just endless what they do. Very much different to a traditional College uh, and the um, I've got Liz Moynihan actually from uh, the campus. She's principal at Skull Stefan Kolostas Stefan Eva. Morning, Liz. Thanks for taking the call. Just Good looking, morning, just, Ian. just looking at the alternative options to people rather than college, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, first of all, we've recently changed our name, Neil, to Tremor Road Campus. No, oh, nobody told me. Tremor Road Campus. Sounds good. Tremor Road Campus. But we're still, we're part of Cork College, I said Tremor Road Campus, but we're still the same caring college with the same heart and diverse range of courses that we have on offer. Are you finding more people, young people, and maybe not always young people, are heading towards your campus rather than UCC? Absolutely. And I'll just give you one story of a student um, last year who came to us. He got a CEO offer, which was perfectly fine. He was completely unsure of what he wanted to do. So he decided he would do the personal training course with the sports massage, massage qualification with us and not take a CEO offer. And just here this July, he, after completing his course, he's been offered um, physiotherapy in the University of Limerick which is a course in excess of 600 points. Now, when I met him first last September, after getting his leading self results, if, if I said to him, you'll be doing physiotherapy in UL next September, he would have laughed at me. Mm. He just thought it wasn't possible. So it's, it's, it's on the ground. It's amazing. The hope and the, uh, you know, the, if, some, if somebody follows their, their path, um, you know, and as well as that, he's going into UL now. He has a sports massage qualification. Mm. He's a personal training qualification. So he's a way ahead of the cohort who's just coming in from the leading cert because he has those skills with him, which will help him uh, with his physiotherapy work going forward. I, I see. I've always associated the work that you do in the courses there primarily, say, with the creative aspects, right? The dance, music management, radio, podcasting, uh, acting, journalism, things like that. That's a very big strength of yours because it, it's actually very hands-on, isn't it? You have the studios there. You have the tech there. You know, it's real-world experience. That's right. It's real world. And again, we're linked with the work experience providers like yourselves, where our students go out and have their hands on um, work experience as part of their course. And it's all really about to develop them personally and to grow them uh, as people in the course. And through that process, it organically happens that they grow and they see and they see their place and they see their strengths and they get to know themselves over the course of the year. Mm. I sometimes call it the backstraightening year. They come in slightly unsure of themselves, maybe, and you can actually, as the year goes on, you can physically nearly see the change in them as human beings as they grow. It's magical in that sense, and it's a really rewarding place to do to grow. I just give one piece of advice to any parent out this morning, and congratulations to them, those that have got their leading set results, is just to look around. You may get a CEO offer next week, whatever it is, just look around at the other alternative pathways and make the most informed choice because it is amazing. You may think... But are there a lot of them that don't know, Liz? They just don't know. They have to be proactive and go and find find out. Walk into us, we're open all next week, all day today. But they're under pressure now, you see, because already now it's the rush for the college places and the points. But they're so young, they may not know what career path they want. They have no experience of it. I know, it's like the example I gave about that student. Like, you know, students don't know that you can do a course and then progress on. Rather than taking a choice that you mightn't be totally happy with, are to- totally comfortable with, or you mightn't even know the options are around, you know, like we, we'll say of the coaching and physical aid course, which leads into PE teaching and UCC. You know, people might not know those options are around because, let's be fair about it, it's CEO, CEO, CEO. Yes, or, it is. Yeah. 
that's the message that has been sold. But it's really important that people, you know, check out all the options over the next number of days so that they make the most informed and best choice for them going forward. So that's my, my main advice really to, to parents and students this morning. Good stuff. Thank you for it. Uh, busy days ahead for Liz Moynan and everybody at the Tremore Road campus. Text 0868104106. You're entitled to call me names if you see fit. Somebody says you're some fool. There's nothing out there paying enough to live in this country unless you've got a degree. Wake up. Come into the real world, would you, once and for all? Um, we haven't even touched on the amount of people that are needed for the trades and all sorts of different areas of the workplace, regardless and you know, in spite of people going to UCC. Uh, people probably don't realise all that often that we have a serious shortage of trades and they pay big, big money. You literally can call your own shots. And it would often worry that you might have people going into college following some kind of a course, some kind of a degree course, because they think it's the only way they should go, when really their heart might be set on doing something like a trade, like the story we heard earlier on this morning about um, somebody who got 680 points but wants to be an electrician. But what were the reactions uh, from students out and about with regards to the leaving certificate results uh, this morning? Here's an opportunity to find out from the students of Bishopstown Community School. Have an aisht. I'm Sasha Walsh. I got 65, so I'm delighted with myself. Cannot do much better. But yeah, definitely really good. Really happy. Especially math type of one. Just threw me off the ball. And like, just kind of knowing that like the last previous years had kind of had a lot more um, adjustments that we didn't. I was just kind of, I really, I was expecting maybe like 500 and 60 or something. But I was delighted when I opened it this morning. So yeah, it was unbelievable. I barely slept last night. I literally, oh, I was rolling my bed, turning my bed all night. And then I got up this morning and was also meant to be out at 10. My friend texted me at half nine, they're out. Ran to the laptop to get my results and then I got them and then I was delighted with myself. It was tough to be fair, but like, I kind of put in the work since fifth year. And so it wasn't, I didn't find it too difficult in sixth year. And one of my best friends also did really well. And like, we just kind of went through it together. So it was really good. Like we went to the library every day together. We studied together. We'd go out for ice cream after. We always had something to do after the library. So we weren't like, study, study, study. And I still, I played gal year as well with Bishopstown. They were just, whenever I was angry or annoyed, I just go to that ball early and hit that sort of off that wall. <laughs> I want to head to UCC. Um, finance is my number one. So I should get that hopefully. Um, yeah, so that's... The plan, hopefully I like it now. I wasn't too sure because I was really, like, I literally changed my CEO on the last day, the 1st of July. I was so, I'm so bad. But yeah, I, hopefully I like finance now, so it'll be good. Like, math is probably my best subject. I applied math as well. And like, I came out of that paper and like, it's just kind of, I was stressed on the whole weekend because it was on a Friday and I was stressed the whole weekend. And then going, because you kind of gain your marks in paper one. So then going into paper two, I was, I was just so, so nervous and I, I freaked out on that paper and I was just, that's what kind of, and, it, it, and math is so early in the, in the exams that you kind of just then start to be stressed but yeah maths definitely threw me off a bit but I got my head trying anyway so it's delighted my mum came in yeah she's my biggest fan <laughs> she came in and said hi to all the teachers as well I think we're going to go out for lunch with my mum and then head into town with some friends so it should be good my name's Amy Burke I wasn't too worried about it, but at the, like, I wasn't too worried about it, but at the same time, it's kind of like you're dying to know what you got. But we were doing bets at home to see, to see what I was going to get. Um, I kind of had like what I thought I was going to get. My mum my had like what she thought I was going to get, and we were all doing bets on it. We all set alarms this morning, so we'd all wake up to be there when I got my results. So they weren't meant to be out until 10, but they came out before 10, and I was after texting to our year group chat, and I was after saying good luck. And... One of the girls was like, oh, the results are already out. So I opened them by accident because I went to open them, my mum, my sister, and I opened them by accident and I just started crying. 
I started crying because I, I did a lot better than I thought I would. I was crying, my mum was crying, my sister was crying. <laughs> we were all just really happy. We were all just crying because we were so happy. <laughs> I'm doing a PLC in psychology in College Com. Um, yeah, I needed five passes to get it and I got five passes. So I'm just hoping that I do get into the course because I really want to do it. I think I'm going out with my family later and then um, me and two of my friends were going out for food and then we're just going out for the night and just see what happens. My name is Sebastian Shakora and I'm a six-year student in Bishopson uh, Community School. It was scared at first but then like as soon as I seen the paper I just kind of got a relief. When I opened the paper and I started writing it I felt like I actually knew the answers to it. So that was a relief yeah. and I'm happy with the results I got. Yeah, so I went out with some friends yesterday and we are just talking about the results, how we're going to get on. We kind of made our own predictions, uh, expecting what to get, and we actually um, expected to get a bit lower than we, what we actually got when we opened them this morning. We were just kind of like a surprise that we actually did that well. Couldn't sleep at all. I just wanted to get up and just open them. I got up really early and couldn't sleep at night thinking about it. Once I actually got up, I was just waiting for it to open it. Try to get, like, played a few games, try to get my mind off it so the time comes faster. And once I actually opened it, it was just kind of like, oh, like, it's finally over. Like, we got the results. And, well, there's no plan. I just try to, like, enjoy the rest of the summer that we didn't really get. Um, probably going to start thinking about, like, college and courses and stuff like that for the future. Um, but I definitely want to go into sport. More seen to like personal training, bodybuilding, and stuff like that. So that's my dream. So I try to pursue that now. The course I'm going to doesn't really um, have a point system. It's just like a course that you pay for, and it's an 18 week course. And for the rest of the day, I have work. <laughs> so after this, I have to go straight to work. So not really a celebration today, but. Anya uh, Mahoney. Very good, yeah. <laughs> a lot better than I thought I was going to do. So I'm delighted. Yeah. It actually, it didn't really hit me until yesterday maybe Wednesday um, I was fine up until last night and then I, I couldn't really sleep but um, I was in Tipperary on holiday so I, I drove down which was good because I calmed my nerves <laughs> they came out slightly early so um, it was actually very fast um, I just logged in and they were there and then I had my parents there and we were all freaking out because yeah, hopefully college um, don't quite know what I'm doing yet I'm just kind of waiting for Wednesday to see how things go that's some of the students from this morning at Bishopstown Community School after the results. I wonder what it's like from the point of view of a principal because every single year, same things happen for principals, the leaving certificate and indeed the junior certificate results. But the Bishopstown Community School principal is Edwina Gottstein and she joins me by phone. Edwina, good morning. Morning, Neil. How does, are you? does it get any easier for the boss because you look at their no. faces and the asp- <laughs> you know, all of their aspirations and their hopes? I was explaining to the students earlier, it felt like my own leaving cert result day this morning as I got up out of bed. Like Groundhog Day for you on. every year. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd have your butterflies as well in your own stomach saying, I hope they've got it and I hope they got what they want because we're all here. We journey together for five or six years. We watch them flourish. We watch them go. We journey with them. So it's just as important for us um, to be able to celebrate with them this morning. And you, had, yeah. you had five years with them and then you have this cruel exam at yeah. the end of it. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> Ah, well, I suppose we've all gone through it in ways. Look, they, we know the leaving search isn't um, the be-all and end-all. It's one measure um, used to try and sort out college placements. Um, what I would say is anyone that isn't happy this morning, there's so many alternative routes available. Um, and if they're unhappy with the results, to contact their guidance counsellor in the school and they'll help them 
to direct them. Um, for the students who are very happy, congratulations. Well done. The hard work paid off for them. And we have many of those here today with us. Some of them would have been relying on maths, right? Um, how, yes. how did they fare with that cruel maths paper one? Thanks be to God here. We were happy um, with the results this morning. Um, now, on the day, I know there was an awful lot of talk about the math paper. And math paper one was challenging, as in it wasn't the exact same way that the questions were asked in previous year. And people would depend on previous exam papers for a revision. Totally. They were tricked. Yeah, they were yeah. tricked. So it was a challenge for them. I had one student who came out um, upset and it was a Friday evening exam. And I was trying to reassure them and just say, you know, we have to park and we have to move on to the next exam on Monday. And hopefully the State Exams Commission will be able to deal with it in terms of the marking scheme. Very fortunately, that child got a H1 and she got her full 625 points. So she actually did better in it. Um, so sometimes the initial shock of facing a paper and things being asked um, differently would put you off. But fortunately for um, our students, they all seem to have gotten over the line with a number of H1s in maths. Um, and when I was talking to the maths department and the teachers here, some of them were involved in correcting over the summer. And um, some of them, do you know, thought that our students were well-placed to face that paper. Good, so good. You, just, yeah. you know, you described the atmosphere this morning there. It's fabulous. Would you say that yeah. the vast majority, and I mean really the vast majority of them will go to college? Yeah, now it depends what your description of college is. So I hope that they will all progress on to further learning, um, whichever direction that takes them. So I know I have two students um, in my sixth year group who actually are going to go to Tremor College campus and they're going to do musical theatre um, down there. And I have a little funny anecdotal story for you on that one. One of the students, we have a musical here in the school every year. Obviously it wasn't run during COVID and it came back last year. And she needed um, practical experience as well to apply for the college um, course that she wanted so she wrote me a letter and she came in with all her points to have a formal meeting with me and a discussion could she get involved in the musical because traditionally six years don't because obviously they have a heavier workload so and the musical is a big involvement but anyway I gave her permission she flourished in the musical and she flourished today and she's off onto Tremor to do that course all she needed was the first opportunity that's true that's true let's let's park it on that very positive note congratulations to everybody for a job well done take care and can I just advise everyone to stay safe with the celebration you're dead right in that regard Edwina stay safe lads take Take care care. Uh, text 0868104106 can I just also mention that with with regards to that I believe it was a van I'm told it was a van that went on fire on the M8 it's just before the Glanmire exit northbound that's still a problem up there I just got a text from a pal of mine who's stuck there and has been stuck and he sent it to me at a quarter past 11 so I'm assuming that he's still stuck in the area this has gone on since early morning so the advice really because of this and the interruptions that it's causing I hope everybody's safe is not to not to get on the M8 at all until you go round on the old road at least through Watergrass Hill and get on then because otherwise you're just going to be caught up like everybody else um, very sadly the death of Jack O'Sullivan yesterday um, in Passage West uh, has resulted in many people very 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 traumatised Obviously, his, his friends and his, his family and our thoughts are with them, but also his school. And I got a statement from the principal of Kolosh to Amon Rish this morning, Aaron Wolf, who says, We learned yesterday evening of the death of Jack O'Sullivan, who would be due to start second year on Monday. This is a terrible tragedy for Jack's family, our school and our community, and we're deeply saddened by these events. Our sympathy and thoughts are with Jack's family and friends. Uh, Jack was a charming, charismatic young man uh, with a beaming smile who represented the school in all sporting areas. Uh, We have been in contact with his parents and they've requested that we all understand their need for privacy at this difficult time. Offers of support have been pouring in and are greatly appreciated. 
Our school has implemented a critical incident management plan. Psychologists from the National Education Services have been with us today, supporting and advising teachers in their efforts to assist our students at this terrible time. The teachers have been helping students to deal with the tragic event. The school remains open throughout the day and we would respect, uh, we would ask you to respect our privacy at this time. That's the statement from Kaloshta Eamon Reish at the school of Jack O'Sullivan, who should have been starting uh, second year on Monday. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Just very quickly, quick call with regards to the incident on the motorway of the MA. Traffic is absolutely, totally blacked up, blocked up, and it's getting worse. Philip O'Connor. Philip, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Where, where are you? What have you seen? Yeah. Well, I was just coming in from Fermoy there and I, on the other side of the cabs, I could see it all blocked up. People are out on the road chatting and whatever. And it's about five miles long all the way back now to the road chatting. Is, is it on fire still? Is the fire out? Yeah, yeah the fire brigade is there. It's, they have it quenched now, it's, uh, so it seems to be out. But, I mean, there's, um, it's still kind of catastrophic if you're on the way to Dublin. You see, so if you get caught in it, you're caught in the middle and you can't turn around. So... I've just passed the electronic sign there that was put up uh, before you get to the Jacklins Tunnel, right? And not a word on that or no sign on it or anything. So, I mean, obviously there's a breakdown in communication somewhere, you know. Might so. be a bit late by that stage, though. You know, if it's, you're in Dunkettle, you're going north. You know what I mean? You well, you could. I mean, you could. Head you could swing for Glanmire. You yeah. could, or swing around, or go home, or whatever. Like you know, it's just that they look. The sign probably cost a hundred thousand. I imagine the prop. Why, in the and name of God, isn't there a warning on those very modern signs? Look, that's the way the system is working at the moment. Unless, unless there's a few is people. There's a five back mile back up all the way, all the way. Where up yeah. or down? Up, isn't it? I, I going up towards Dublin, yeah, all the way out. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, mayhem for people stuck in it. Possibly it listening to me, telling them what they already know. Anyway, an opportunity to warn people was missed then this morning, Philip, for sure. Uh, it was, yeah. And even now, they're still going on there. Like, can you see, it's going to back up to the Kinsale Road roundabout now very soon, unless chaos. some some signal. Chaos, man, chaos. But, Th- thanks for that. Thanks for yeah. the update. I always like love, live updates. Thank you. Can I just update one other thing before we plow? we got live music in studio this morning, so hang in there. Sarah Lou is going to play us out. But the uh, Cork Jazz Festival, um, we all know of some of the acts that are going to be playing, but I believe today is the day that tickets are going on sale for the Bank Holiday Guinness Jazz Festival. They've got some serious heavy hitters uh, this year. Um, and a real mix, actually, musically. Chair of the Cork Jazz Festival is Fiona Collins. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you this morning? I'm good. So is it like a thousand musicians, many of them ticketed, some, a lot of them free, but a lot of those tickets go on sale this morning, is it? A lot of those tickets go on sale this morning, and some of them are moving pretty quickly. What's selling so quick? I'd say Macy Gray will sell out the Macy Yang. Gray, yeah, Macy Gray is nearly sold out. Um, Morshiba is my understanding. Um, the Everyman Cartelling and Matthew Halsall um, are selling out pretty quickly. But we have some really lovely acts happening in the Triscoll and St. Luke's. So I would tell people to take a look at those. Um, they'll be fabulous. Um, but like more interestingly, you'd like to like Fred Wesley, who played James Brown in the Everyman, which is great. He's a former um, band leader with James Brown's. 
Banned? Yeah, My God. Big, yeah, so wow. we'll be playing on the 29th in the Everyman. Um, so like there is, a, there is a really fantastic line. Kareem Bailey Ray will sell well. out fast, yeah? Will sell out fast as well, absolutely. She's playing on the 29th as well. So you're going to have to pick and choose your acts and, and try and plan around your nights out, definitely, for sure. Yeah, but don't forget, like, 73 pubs where it's free on the music trail. You can't where beat that. free. And you have jazz on the streets as well, Neil. You'll have um, the jazz in the plazas back by Emmett Place. We have the stage where it's going to be um, on, on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. We will have all the marching bands around the street as well, just adding to the atmosphere. And look, we're hoping to welcome in about 100,000 people into the city. So it's going to be a really busy weekend in Cork up for the, for the October Bank holiday. Yeah, and it stretches out much further. I mean, it takes in an awful lot of the suburbs now, even down at Kinsale. So lots of opportunities for people. St. Luke's, yeah. will, be, St. Luke's will be fabulous because the acoustics there and the setting yeah, it's is amazing, just isn't it? superb, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. So I'm really looking forward to the gigs there as well. Um, so I would definitely recommend um, people get their, get their tickets as soon as they can because um, I think it will sell out pretty quickly. It will, and a lot of people will be coming into Cork because they'll be coming in for the jazz, but they'll all be coming in for the food and, I suppose, for the Guinness Stout. Don't food forget that. the Guinness Stout. But look, I, I, I'm, I'm, people are probably sick of me hearing, it, or hearing me say it, but I say to people come into Cork for the jazz experience, but they leave with the Cork experience. <laughs> Cork is such a fabulous city. Like, you know, we should, we should celebrate that and give them an opportunity. We know it ourselves. We should tell people more. We know more. it ourselves. <laughs> we need to tell people more. Exactly that. Um, and hopefully they'll come back again and that's that's the important thing. Okay, us. where can tickets be got? Tickets, everything is on the Guinness Cork Jazz uh, Festival website um, or if there's a particular venue that you want to go and look at, go to the venue themselves and you'll find tickets there as well. But everything is up on the Guinness Cork Jazz website and keep an eye on social media channels as well. Hopefully we'll have a, a few announcements coming up between now and the festival. Okay, bring it on, you. bring it on. The excitement has begun. Exactly. Take care, Fiona. Thanks for taking the <laughs> call. Cheers, care. Chair Thanks. of the Cork Guinness Jazz Festival. we got live music in studio after the break. Sarah Lou to play us out after this. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. If only we had our time over again. If only we could wake up lying on a clean slate. We'd know the roads not to go down The trouble spots and the reasons why we'd fall out I'd know those moments where life tries to break you But this time, this time I'll be ready to catch you when you fall Won't let you down at all For you Should find its way into our lives I'll send a million kisses on a mission To brighten up the sky I know the road where the gold is buried down We'll live the life like the fairy tales talk about I know those moments where life tries to trap you Not this time, this time, now I'm ready
to the likes of you Mayor Sarah Lou and all others like you who record your own material that's your new single it is indeed picking up you say, you say your influences are the likes of Taylor Swift or the Cranberries or Shania Twain I'm picking up the Dixie Chicks a lot oh, there oh I love the Dixie Chicks I well, think so. you're heavily influenced by those <laughs> sassy girls I, I am indeed yeah anything anything country music I think it's kind of country pop me. though isn't it it is and that's I suppose what's yeah the, that part of the, the crossover I guess you know that sort of pop but country yeah I have noticed since the start of the summer with all of the people that we've been the depth of talent in Cork is just mind blowing isn't it there's yeah. so many of you out there doing your thing Oh, well, sure, I've, I've moved to Cork in the last couple of years and I... Oh, you're not even one I, of us. Where are you from? I know, I'm not even one of you. I'm from Dungarvan. But at actually. least you're marrying a Cork girl, which I'm is something. I'm marrying a Cork girl, exactly, so <laughs> I, I can be excused. <laughs> but we are so full of talent. There's a lot. There's so much talent around, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's it's amazing. And you're amongst them. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm glad I'm glad you're putting me in that Please market. tell me your stuff's up online. It's on the Spotify's and the it Apple is. Music. and Everything like is online. You can find it at Sarah Lou. No H in Sarah, which can be a confusing so S-A-R-A-L-O-U music you'll find me anywhere SarahLouMusic.com is the simplest I've ever come across <laughs> where are you so playing next? I, I'm playing in the Anglers actually tomorrow night um, and then getting married in a couple of weeks and I'm, when I'm back in October the plan is to do a couple of original nights here in Cork with yeah all original music and get a little bit of a band together as well so I'm looking forward oh, to Oh I'm that. sure you pack a big sound with people around you I, I hope so You certainly will have a great wedding Thank you so a much A good honeymoon congratulations thanks everything and Thanks for having me It's great to have you in studio this morning as we continue to highlight Cork talent. Well, Dungarvan Cork talent. <laughs> Sarah Lewin Studio, thank you for that. Um, time to go, guys. Before I do, the last bunch of shout-outs before I love you and leave you. Everybody at Munster, Bovine and Mallow to Common Sports in the North Main Street. Our manager retired last Thursday. We've been comfort-eating ever since. <laughs> to everybody at Noreen's Studio up in White's Cross, way too many to shout-out for. Uh, but good morning to you all. Area Carpets and Flooring of Sullivan's Pharmacy in Grange. Foley's Plumbing are in Toker. AOC Commercials are listening. One of the lads is off to Australia. The staff of the Patients Admissions at the South Infirmary, FedEx in Blarney, Paddy Powers in Carrick Tool, AP Vaughan Recycling in Tower, Stonemasons.ie. They're building a shed this week in Ring of Skiddy. Thanks be to God they finished that wall. Michael O'Driscoll in Motors in Inniscarra, Cullenview Interiors, one or two more Clona Dairy products, Modus Link in Holly Hill, and Smurfits in Cork and Joe's Edge Hair Salon in Blarney. I'm out of time for now, guys, but we do need to pick a winner, and I'm reliably informed that it is the good people this week um, from 
unique fit out in Glanmire that wins free food Friday. Let's find out how many they are and how hungry they are. Marie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Are you a hungry bunch? Very hungry, starving. How many of you work with... What what do you uniquely fit out, incidentally? We do fit out, kind of commercial and domestic fit outs for housing and... Okay, so there's you and Myra and Lee and Cahill and Louis and Zelico and Matthew and Shelbin and Zhang. I'm forgetting all of the rest. I'm sure there's about, there's about 30 or 40 of you, is there? Yeah, about 30 or 40 of us. Some out on site today and some also on holidays. Okay, well, thankfully we won't be able to feed those on holidays. Don't bother calling the ones back on site. It's about 15 or 20 you will be fed. Is there 15 or 20 around the phone right now? There is, yeah, we're all here. You've been texting for a long, long time. Food is on the way from Roosters, Piri Piri. Give us the biggest weekend shout-out you can. Excellent. Thanks, Neil. Off you go with the big... Not a hope. Not a... I wouldn't, I wouldn't give you a bag of chips for that woman. Really? No. Oh, we would. I you wouldn't. would. No, I wouldn't. I need a bigger shout-out than that. Okay. Count okay, them in. I'll take that one all day long. Well done. Enjoy the food. Thanks, Neil. Take, take care. care. Bye bye. Got to go before we go. Our lines are open. We have more family passes to give away to great summer attractions. We've got um, five family passes for the Butter Museum to give away up in Shandon. And we have two passes for Cape Clare Ferries, the trip out and around the Fastnet Rock. On top of that, we have two additional passes for their Cork Harbour cruise. You'll go all the way from Kostomowski all the way down to Cove and out by the outer mouth of the harbour. So get dialing for all of those on 0818104106. We're way over time. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.